0: While back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste.
1: Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, March 26th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Greetings. Mr. Bob Ryan. How's And Miss Stephanie Cook. Hi. All right, guys, we have <laughs> a uh, a fun, fun show for you guys today. Um, we are talking to Brandon Montclair and Amy Reader, creators of Rocket Girl. So you hear the interview after we talk about our Books of the Week, of course, Um, We also have some pimping of other podcasts to do, as well as Stephanie on some panels um, at Emerald City, but we'll get to that later in the show. First off, I want to start out with, we have a little bit of news to cover. I don't want to get too deep into it, Um, but first of all, we had a trailer, the final trailer, I'd say, most likely since the movie's coming out about six weeks, Mm -hmm. for uh, X-Men Days of Future Past. So obviously this is the big Brian Singer's big return to the X-Men universe reuniting both casts of First Class and of the original X-Men films Wolverine going back in time to try to stop a Sentinel apocalypse it appears um uh, Bob as our resident historian and person who has you know experienced that book when it hit the shelves for the first time wh- what do you think when you see this take on that material
2: Well I still would like it being Kitty going course. back in time that said this trailer is now giving you lots of little story details. It's getting deep and weird and time travely and mm. think Terminator 2 and Back to the Future 2 and 3 and crazy stuff is going on and different within the movie itself, different eras of we're looking at two or three different McAvoy Professor X's, mm. it yeah. seems like, by by dress and, mm. and demeanor. <laughs> I think this is gonna be a real mess to try to sort out as you're sitting there in the theater, <laughs> but I think you're going to get rewarded by sticking with it. You're going to have to think in this one. Yeah. I really believe so. Uh,
1: I loved seeing the powers on display in the movie, which is, I think something that's been sort of lacking in the X-Men mm. movies in the past. Um First class had a lot of powers on display, but it wasn't a lot of X-Men that you were, I think really invested in a lot of the time. Like seeing Banshee fly around was really cool, but it's not the same as seeing Iceman, right, you know, yeah. Ice fight. Well, they yeah, were so yeah.
0: inexperienced at that point too. Yeah,
1: this time we're going to see like full fledged, you know, um, powers on display. So I think that it, it, I think it looks great, um, and hopefully it, it lives up to what this this trailer is. Fox is excellent at cutting together really good trailers. They're really <laughs> good at it. And the X Men Three trailer was also awesome, and that movie was horrible. Oh, oh. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I have faith in Brian Singer because I love Brian Singer as a director. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just funny because this trailer came out the same day they released their newest horrible X-Men poster, which is like their thing. They just released okay, saw horrible <laughs> Photoshop-looking X-Men posters. And around Twitter, it looks like Professor X is farting fire because he's like floating <laughs> above a f- explosion. That's how he gets right. around, man. Yeah, his, exactly. his
0: wheelchair <laughs> ran out of juice.
1: Mind farts um, propel, <laughs> propel his, his, his chair around. Um, Steve, what did you think of the trailer?
0: Ah, uh, what Bob said. It looks like a beautiful mess. Mm-hmm is what it looks like. I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm definitely excited at this point to see it. I'm hoping that the execution is such that it will it won't bother me that they've changed the story around to make it more Wolverine centric. I'm a little tired of things being about Wolverine. I know this is about so many other mutants. Um But there are still a couple of things that regardless of how sleek and how cool the trailer looks, I can't shake personally their gripes and I'll get over them and whatever. But I'm still really bothered by the Sentinels. They don't look right for me. I wanted them to be towering and Mm. hulking and they're big, but they're not. They don't look. I, I have such a vision stuck in my head from the comics and from the 90s cartoon of what they're supposed to look like. I don't mind that they've changed. The look but like there's one of them that looks like a sentinel had sex with the destroyer and his face opens up and all this fire comes shooting mm. out um it's really it's cool i think it's gonna look great on screen i just hope that they flesh out the um those i don't know if you'd even call them characters but just those weapons enough mm. i'm really excited to see Peter Dinklage yeah. as Trask. I think mm. I think he's going to be awesome. Um it's really cool to see so many of the X-Men in one film. It's going to be jumping all over the place. It's I'm looking at it more as an experiment to see if the comic, comic book movies are ready to do the giant bombastic time travel three different timelines excuse me thing and have people audiences not just us fans but everyone everyone that's going to see this movie because they like the x-men movies that they not only that they understand it and they follow it but that they enjoy it Mm -hmm. and they enjoy the complexity of this type of story Mm -hmm. usually they're very straightforward there's a villain x-men show their powers they kick some ass they go home Mm -hmm. with this you got all manner of things going on things that are very dire Mm -hmm. and that matter and really huge character uh arcs and stuff that will define them presumably for other films Mm -hmm. so it's going to put a lot of characters on the map that people have not seen before on screen right so for that i'm very excited
1: yeah absolutely i I think that you know they have a well-worn territory to mine as well because time travel movies are quite populous and and popular so i think that they have a good roadmap for that one of the things I i just forgot how much i loved was that moment when Fassbender, like, just flicks his hand in the... That was cool. I forgot yeah, how much yeah. I love Michael Fassbender as that character. Stephanie, what did you think of the trailer?
3: Well, like, I was watching it in bed when it came out, and it's on my phone, and my cat has, like, this horrible habit, like, the phone freaks her out when there's sound on my phone, and she's like... <gasps> and she tries to sit on it. So, <laughs> you know, like... You know, it's like, <gasps> technology! I'm trying to protect you from it. So, like, I kept trying to watch a trailer, and then she kept on trying to sit on my phone. Mm-hmm. So... No, I caught bits and pieces of it, minus cat butt. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, unfortunately, the cat butt didn't block out Halle Berry, which, you know, the trailer overall had, like, this one step forward, two steps back every time she was on screen. It was like, oh, I'm excited. Oh, even less excited than before. Oh, excited. Oh, she's there again. Glary white and, like I know she's probably not going to have a very prominent role, but, like, I'm so annoyed that they decided to cast her again. Like, just, I, I know it's so stupid and petty. Like, the whole movie could be fantastic. And, you know, I probably, if it's good, it'll be good, and I won't even notice. But, like, there's just little things that nitpick at me about the whole thing. The trailer itself looks cool. I don't have any problem with the Sentinels. I think, you know, they took an interesting approach to them. And I, I think they look like they will be more formidable mm. than how they were sometimes portrayed in the animated series like hiding behind trees and stuff <laughs> <laughs> well
0: they're definitely more mobile and agile yeah in this yeah so that um, part's cool yeah
3: and i mean yeah like what you said too peter dinklage i mean that's a great choice for trask and i think overall with the exception of a few cast members the casting is pretty phenomenal mm-hmm. um like you know, the parts that were weak for me in first class as far as casting goes was January Jones, Emma Frost. And I don't think mm. she's in this. No, I don't think so. So that weeds out a bit of my problems from that. But that was a great movie. And if it's anything, you know, if they're taking anything from that formula and bringing it into this, I think it has potential to be great, if not necessarily a good adaptation of the comic itself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think the casting of of Dinklage as Trask is a really interesting take on that character because he himself is very different from the rest of society, and yet he's persecuting those who are different. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a cool wrinkle to put onto on top of that already pretty uh, deep character. So I mean, we'll see. We don't have to wait very long. It's it's still it's still the we still have two other superhero movies coming out before we ever see X Men First Class. Really? I believe. Well, Isn't there's it? Cap. What's we'll the other one. Isn't Spider Man out before? before x-men that, that was oh,
4: may
1: my. oh no you, yeah it's it was x-men oh sure. Yeah, i think x-men's yeah. end of may i think i think yeah. spider-man's may 4th or whatever i think you're right yeah so i think we have I think we it's ha- gonna
3: be hard to talk captain america though
1: i i'm really yeah. excited i can't i, I mean we're gonna yeah. s- we'll talk a lot about it in next week also next week we're gonna hear we did an awesome interview with steve inglehart who is a classic captain america writer great interview you hear that later when we put together our cap week but i am so excited about that movie all the advanced word totally uh it, it it's just it looks as good as I was hoping it would look when we first saw that little bit of footage you know a, a long time ago so um
0: my friend Eric that uh, writes for Inical News News mm-hmm. uh, he just got back from seeing it mm-hmm. and he goes it's a like in his review he's just he couldn't he goes I barely talk about certain things because there was just so much positive mm-hmm. that I barely had room for x y and z cuz right. if that's any indication as to how much this movie Ooh. rocked
1: yeah it's awesome. I read the IGN review was my It called Winter Soldier like the Terminator of the Marvel Universe. Hmm.
0: Um, that's a good
2: way to put it.
1: Yeah. So I think that that's pretty pretty cool. Um, so more on kind of the movie news front, really quick. The Rock did a Q and A today. Rock Talk on Twitter. He called it <laughs> hashtag Rock Talk because they released a not Hercules. great looking trailer for Hercules. Um, <laughs>
0: you saw that, right, Steph?
3: <laughs> yeah, totally. My like response on Twitter was "Will they be singing?" <laughs>
2: Or James Woods. Um, Boss battles. That's what it looked like.
1: (laughs) But the interesting thing about this was, you know, he always gets asked about superhero movies. He's talked about talking to Marvel. He's talked about long conversations with DC. Um, And he says, myself and DC have agreed on a character extremely complex, well-known, but never played, and a pure badass MF. Hashtag Rock Talk.
4: Oh. I love The Rock.
1: I love The Rock as well. He's an enjoyable human being. Um, Cable. (laughs) That's a Marvel character.
3: Uh, oh Wait, I mean, you said DC. Yes, I, I don't listen to you, Bobby. I know, I know, it's true. You do not listen to me.
1: It's once again proving these things. Yeah. You don't listen to me or the Rock. <laughs> I don't know what the Rock is cooking. <laughs> you don't. You don't.
2: Um. So he's getting quoted around here a lot. He is. Literally. He is. He's cooking Very car- quotable man. Cooking charisma. Um. He
1: also said in another thing that he, it's Superman level of power. That's one of the things that he said um so bob what that do you think says to me black he's adam gonna, mm-hmm. but
2: there's there's no shazam yet so right that's, he's gonna snap the lion's neck <laughs> could, yeah put him in the sleeper hole wear him as a hat could <laughs> you could you do the martian manhunter
1: you could that's a, i didn't even think of that that not not any of the things that i've heard of as anyone wow. posited that at all um that would make a lot of sense, actually. Uh, he doesn't have the voice that I imagine for the Martian Manhunter. Was but... it
2: Carl Lumley in the? Yeah, cartoon? I do imagine always imagine yeah.
1: Carl Lumley because it's just burned into my brain. Uh, I imagine a much more measured voice for for that character, but him saying this, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh, maybe it's Lobo," but I feel like Lobo is not well known enough. I don't. I feel like nah, that's not up there. Reach. Black Adam as well. That's the thing about Black Adam. Not even just the Shazam thing. It's just the 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 known entity of the character mm-hmm. is not that large. Some people are positing possibly Dark Side if that was going to be like the the villain that he would play mm-hmm. that character, okay. which is possible as well. But yeah, and he said it's not been played before. People are like, "Well, Aquaman. maybe
3: Aquaman." What'd you say, Aquaman?
1: I mean, it's possible. <laughs> it's, I was mostly what?
3: joking, but that'd be kind of awesome. It's too. totally yeah. possible
1: <laughs> if he played Aquaman. You know, the big thing he always says that his favorite comic book character is uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern. Hmm. But he said it's not Green Lantern because it's already there's already been a Green Lantern, so.
5: Interesting. Uh, but
1: I think that's... March Bender, I, I didn't even think of that, makes total sense for where they're going. Um, Steve, you have any ideas? Who do you want to see The Rock play? Everybody. Everybody. Him and Fassbender. Smells like Everybody. everybody's <laughs> cooking.
2: I know who I actually do want to hear. Go ahead, you go. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah.
0: I honestly... No, you, no, you'll get me rambling. I... Fell in love with the man years ago. Uh, there's very little that he can do wrong. I want him to be everybody. He'll be the <laughs> other fast vendor of the Marvel or DC universe. He's I don't know. Um, do we need
3: to Photoshop him as Wonder Woman? You yeah should. We, we did already. Come
0: on. <laughs> I think Martian Manhunter is a is a great idea. Uh, so is Dark Side. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. Fa- um, you you go. I'll give me a second. I'll but think. it's the Marvel side of the Ledger. Mm. Submariner.
1: Oh yeah, he's perfect for Submariner. He looks like him. <laughs> yeah. Ooh.
0: But he's doing he's doing DC right. Yeah. It's yeah. that's okay. Yeah. The
1: other thing too is M-Doc. if they're going if they're you know if they're aging up the character at all, cyborg is, is a possibility. Oh, um, yeah. if he's not a Teen Titan type, if he's an adult, um, I think that that could work as well. But Bizarro, th- Stephanie, any other ideas <laughs> except for Aquaman? <laughs> no, um, I
3: don't think so. Not off the top of my head. I'm looking at like my DC
1: shop
0: Mm. and seeing
3: if anything like pops out to me but i have a lot of batman and power girl and stuff and i don't think he's gonna play power girl so i mean black um, manta yeah also but i mean from that description it sounds like he's playing like potentially a lead
1: yeah it does and i don't think
0: they would put a helmet over his head he's too pretty
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs)
3: <laughs> he's just too
1: famous yeah. so was, <laughs> or or get it to It'd fit over
0: the, his, the his judge, neck right. his neck is like a goddamn tree yeah. trunk
1: also not super well known right black man does not a super well known character right i think actually seven even though you're joking i think aquaman is a very is a very yeah. interesting I think, choice
3: yeah like i mean i said it as a joke and then i kind of got to think about it a bit he's simone simone right yes he's simone yep and i think that could work for you know a water-based character yeah
1: yeah. So. I mean, that makes sense It does make sense. He's Islander, you know. I, I
3: don't mean the
0: Get some... me? That wasn't meant to be funny. I just... uh, Samoans uh, love to swim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um,
1: I'm not sure if that was racist. I don't, no! know, I don't even know. Absolutely you, you not.
0: in a bad way. Uh, yeah. I did Everybody not. he said that, not me. Oh my god, <laughs> I did
2: not. I told you I love The Rock. And I love Samoan people. Samoan, one of my favorite the Samoan Anti-Defamation uh, League will be mailing us yes. something in the morning.
0: Doctor Gonzo is Samoan. He's one of my favorite <laughs> film characters of all time. fearing well in Las
2: Vegas. I love Samoans and I, The Rock. I, mean, I read I something about The Rock's great uncle, uh, High Ma- Chief Peter, Peter Maivia. Maivia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Peter Maivia
1: and uh, Rocky, Rocky Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. So I think he's actually half black, half Samoan. I think that's yeah. that, that's how his race works out. But I think that. What I think is cool about it, I actually read this in an article and I was reading about this, but the Aquaman thing I was just actually looking at this article. They said Aquaman is often the target of a lot of jokes. No one is going to laugh at the rocket. <laughs> That's what they said. Ooh. So I think that it's an uh, interesting idea for that. But <laughs> I'm excited I don't to know, see. Him. I mean, the Sorry. Scorpion. Came. Yeah, but that was his first movie. And Come on, you know, Then
3: there was the what's the the journey to
1: the center of the earth <laughs> two. Yeah, part two. two. <laughs> yeah, I
3: mean. I I don't think he can say that. And what was that kids movie that he did? I know Vin Diesel did the Pacifier,
1: the Tooth Fairy. Yeah,
3: yeah. So I mean, I I feel like that's that's Mm -hmm. a sentence that's not applicable to The Rock. But I mean, I get where they're going with it. If he's being goofy, the same uh, time.
4: Yeah.
0: I want to see him riding a tidal wave made of sharks with his eyebrow raised up, (laughs) just like looking at the shore, like.
1: "Mm." Throws his elbow pad off. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. He's got a microphone in his hand <laughs> for no reason.
2: <laughs> awesome. He doesn't interview on the dock. He does. Oh, About yeah. Fish sticks. Yeah. Yeah. He calls
1: out uh, Black Manta. <laughs> yep. There you go. He's gonna lay. On the... be... I mean,
3: we're talking strictly DC universe, right? It wouldn't yeah. be anything Vertigo.
1: No, it's DC. I think his... he said a hero, Superman power level. So I'm figuring it's definitely a DC. He said DC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yes. So I'm excited. I mean, The Rock, he's a perfect fit for these kind of movies, and. I, I can't wait to see what happens with him. Um, hmm. On the comic book side of things, real quick, they announced a giant Spider-Man event called Spider-Verse yeah. that Dan Slott is writing. Um, Olivier Copil. Never say his name right, ever in my life. I don't care.
3: I think that was it. I think, I think, think
1: that sounds good. Okay. Um, uh, where he's taking every single incarnation of a Spider-Man ever and putting him in this in this book, including Spider Cat, Inc- including Spider Cat, Spider Ham is going to be in it. Peter Porker in there. Peter yep. Porker is in it. There's this beautiful. <laughs> that's his name. Yeah, it is. It's true. <laughs> I, I know. It's this beautiful cover that's like it's Spider Man, like you know, kind of the shadow, and his shadow turns into all the different masks and stuff like that.
0: That's the thing from before that
1: I couldn't remember. Oh, that's that the... I said
0: was film or whatever. It's yeah. not. It was that.
1: <laughs> so you know, he says it's a, a um, it's a Spider Man story on a scale we've never seen before, epic in its scope. Hmm. Um, the only one they're not using, I think, is the Spectacular Spider-Man from the cartoon because it's part owned by Sony, so they can't okay. use it. But they are using the Ultimate Spider-Man from the cartoon uh, as well. Nice.
2: So it's it's everybody. Do you we know. get old Peter Parker from the M2 universe, you know, Mayday Parker's dad?
1: They said every single okay. incarnation of Spider-Man. So
2: Gray-haired, a little portlier, not fat, but mm. with one leg. All we see here He's lost a leg. To yeah, the Green
1: Goblin. I can't you know? see. There's a, a huge cover image they put out with all these different versions of Spider-Man. You know, obviously the most prominent are you know regular six one six Spider-Man. Yep. You've got um, Ultimate Spider-Man. The you know the Bendis, the Miles Morales yep. one. Yep. Spider-Man twenty ninety nine nice. is, is pretty is pretty prevalent there. Um, you definitely have some Ben Riley going on here. You definitely have a lot of you know Mister Jean Jacket and Spider-Man nice. costume happening you have black spider-man you have spider-man noir you have you know it's it's image full of this steve you're a pretty big spider-man fan i am uh what do you think about this
0: i am i saw this news i'm so super excited about this uh particularly the creative team that's on it Mm. absolutely absolutely love the artist and love that spider-man continues to be in dan slot's hands very very capable hands uh i've been loving everything since since we started with his run of uh of amazing back uh, when we first started the podcast, and and you jumped on to that. Uh, what was that called? The end of,
1: uh, the, the, it's the one when that he ends the world by
3: not. Yeah,
0: he steps through the the, the portal door, thing. The door.
3: Yeah.
2: End of days. No, the end of days. Yeah. Something no, like it's a Schwarzenegger uh, movie. Yeah,
3: I know exactly what you're talking <laughs> about. It's like one either. of the only ones that I like really loved, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna. i look. I'm
0: gonna look it All up. right, you're gonna look it up. So, um, and then all the stuff that he's been doing with Superior, which the we don't talk about it much on the show because it's just it's so easy to talk Spider Man every other week. I I avoid it, but uh, the Goblin Nation arc has been super super good. So I big one I big issue smile. today, right? Yeah, there's a big issue going on today, and I just I'm so. I'm I'm very excited about it. I, I think it's going to be amazing. The art is going to be beautiful. Uh, just Koeppl's work with Thor and and things that are with X Men things that I've seen him do in the past. Beautiful, beautiful artist. Uh, is he he's doing interiors as well?
1: Yes,
3: yes, yes. They said
1: he's like strapped to a dance. strapped to a desk. Do we alone. have um, do we have any idea how long this is going to be? Uh, he said I'll look it up. Stephanie, You have the name of the arc?
3: Yeah, and I remembered because I remember that the issue is issue six, seven, eight. But anyways,
1: it's yeah. I killed tomorrow. I killed tomorrow. Oh. That's what it is. Yeah, that's what it was called. That was an excellent, excellent two, uh, yes, two it was. issue arc. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. Is the
2: eight legged Spider-Man on there? Yes. Nice. He is. There's a lot.
1: There's a lot of, of Spider-Men's um that's
0: another thing about it there's so many of those spider-men that i've never seen or read yeah so if they're going to be in this thing it'll be a really cool way to get introduced to them and kind of have some fun with them in in this story
1: yeah i mean here's slot names off some there's a huge image uh delato the artist he he did a huge image of all of them but um there's mangaverse spider-man bullet point spider-man Uh, miles there's spider-man from a what if stories there's 1602 spider-man there's spider-ham there's mc2 spider-girl in it as well so um uh, um, somebody asked him there's spider-ham do i see mc2 spider-girl and nick lowe the editor of spider-man said you're damn right nice (laughs) uh so it's really cool i mean who knows it could be a big huge mess but like steve was saying dan slot's an awesome writer he obviously knows spider-man backwards and forward he doesn't seem to do very gimmicky things you know, with the character, he seems to be very invested. So, because what what you want to call it or not, Otto being Spider Man is not has not been gimmicky at all.
0: Well, he follows yeah. through yeah. with his ideas, and if he's go if he's planning on doing something that big, uh, that he's definitely got a plan. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've said it before; I'll say it again. Just trust in him with the character yeah you know i mean every you know, of course someone else could always write the character he could be handed off a while from now but as long as slot is on it i will always read it and and give it a fair shake
1: yeah um awesome yeah so we're gonna get into our books a week in a second Wait, can i just I, yeah oh, sorry stephanie go ahead
3: news that they announced the incredibles 2 is mm. happening yeah
2: they did brad bird writing. brad bird is back yeah
3: yeah like the best superhero movie ever made he's con-
1: he's confirmed Hello? right yeah he's definitely confirmed to write it i don't know if he's confirmed to direct it yet i just Ooh. heard right just heard right mm.
3: even if he's not directing it and he's just mm. writing it like thank you
1: i mean we've been calling for
0: it I for mean, a like, long time He also announced
3: cars three yeah. so i mean it was like yay
0: yay then, oh. i'm kind but, of excited
1: for it but i might
0: really? be the only one i like both of those films Blech. sorry <laughs>
3: cars yes.
1: Cars is not i my do jam.
0: i like them i, I can't I, I can't help it i'm sorry mm-hmm. i like them
1: um I, I i just feel like they're not for me but i want to say that before we get into the uh, the books of the week last week we had a listener question where we asked about en- entrance music for superheroes mm-hmm. oh yeah and uh, the awesome listeners that we have i mean we have three pages full on the forum <laughs> some <laughs> of
0: them were so good of people
1: yeah. I, um, some of them are amazing like some of them are downright fantastic one of my favorite ones, this guy, this is uh, Jay uh, on the forums, uh, turning Japanese for Psylocke. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, Nick Fury, secret agent man. Uh, Animal Man, welcome to the jungle. Nice. Uh, Quentin Quire, another brick in the wall.
0: Ooh. Um,
1: Storm, rock you like a hurricane. And Wolverine, born to be wild. So, wait, J- wait, one <laughs> of my
0: favorite ones. Mm, Rogue, that's... you can't touch this.
4: Oh,
3: yeah. That was katie rexes right yeah. yeah and i loved her comment too where she was like i had to pull over to the side of the road because i couldn't stop laughing so hard on my <laughs> own joke <laughs> this is awesome
0: she's uh, also got her own comics uh and music related podcast called oh, really? the end of the uh, the end of the universe podcast uh you guys should check that out it's pretty cool
1: just pimping other people's shows Hey, why not? I'm just kidding. <laughs> they they no, pimp awesome. us every, no, all I know, the time. I know it's awesome. I'm just kidding around. Um, Dead Fed said uh, Captain America, America, fuck yeah from Team World, Team America <laughs> World Police, which I thought was which was, was pretty awesome. Uh, Thor, Thunderstruck was was, yeah. was was very good as well. Something that I figured we should have we should have thought of. Um, Hellboy, Hellboy, Number of the Beast from Iron Maiden. Some of these are so good. Yeah, they're all really good actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. some really really good stuff from people uh, you know on here. Um, Professor X, I don't know, Bob Barley, One Love. <laughs>
0: I don't know if I understand that.
1: Yeah, one. I don't understand it, but I think it's really funny. Um, Boomerang from Superior Pose of Spider-Man, Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> Luke Cage, Power Man, the Shaft theme song. Oh, of course. Um, Iron Fist gets Kung Fu Fighting, of course. Nice. Um, one of my favorites was from Jay, again, Lara Flea's I Want It All by yeah. Queen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Such, it's just very clever. Um, so, guys, really awesome. Like, Thank you like, so much for just responding and... Playing along with our silly little our silly little game, um, awesome, awesome guys! Thank you so much. I love those. Guardians of the, Mighty Milton, Guardians of the Galaxy, Space Jam theme. <laughs> <Huh>. Yes, slash <laughs> intergalactic from the uh, the Beastie Boys. Nice. Uh, a mashup. Yeah, a mashup. Uh, Black Bolt, Rebel yell.
3: That was one of my favorites. <laughs> I like awesome that one. one. No. Really
1: awesome one. Um, Rogue, you can't touch this. Obviously, Kitty Rex. That's an awesome one so as well.
0: Um, yeah. uh, Hugh
1: Barry says Nightcrawlers would be blue by Eiffel 65
0: Oh that song
1: <laughs> So just like an amazing Amazing job by all you guys Thank you so much
2: Did you go for Born to Run somewhere? It th- um, well, well, was the, the Flash, flash. The yeah, flash. Yeah, be, right? yeah, yeah, yeah
1: absolutely um, One of the I guess Incredible D Bizarro Hello Goodbye From the Beatles <laughs> yeah, I think it's really gonna... really good Really, really good. Um, thank you guys so much again. It was it's awesome to, all week to be reading those and, and to get into them. So great job by all you guys. Um, so getting into our books of the week, a lot of good books this week. It was it was a tough, Too many good weeks, tough to yeah. pick tough some week. of the books here. Yeah. Here, Stephanie, I want to go to you first because you picked a book that um, did not come out this week.
3: No.
1: Um, yes, you I... did.
3: <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
1: I said yes. You did pick a book that didn't come out this week. Correct. Um, Silver Surfer Requiem. So tell me about Silver Surfer, Surfer Requiem. Why did you Why did you pick it? What t- What caused you to read it?
3: Um, I've owned it forever. I, when it did come out, I picked it up because it was just so incredibly well reviewed, mm. and uh, it made all these best of lists. And I think it even made like literary best of lists. Mm. And I was just like, Wow, what is this comic? I've never even like. I mean, I knew of The Silver Surfer, but I didn't know of this book specifically. So I, I sought out the hardcover and picked it up. And um, for it, it's one of the Marvel Knights books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's written by J. Michael Straczynski, which I know Bob has a love-hate relationship, mostly mm-hmm. hate <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, and the artist, I'm going to mess up the name. I know like he's Asad Ribbit.
1: Yes, that's pretty close, I think.
3: Um, no, that's totally it. Yeah, that's
1: totally right? Yeah. Yeah. You did this- it. Yay.
3: Um I don't know if any of you have read this before, but it is one of the most beautifully drawn and written books that I have ever read. Ever. And like I mean that's setting a pretty high bar there. Um you know, this this is a story about the silver surfer at the end of his days. Um and he comes to earth and Uh, the story isn't really from his perspective as he's dying. It's from the perspective of the Fantastic Four. Um, You know, Reed is trying to find ways to help him and to save him because you know, his mind when he can't process with like the emotional side of it, he's trying to find a scientific way. You Mm. know, and it's also from the perspective of um, Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Um, Mm. And it also has Galactus in it and a different side of Galactus than you have ever seen before. And honestly, the moments with Galactus and this, is such a sentences that you never think you'll hear the moments with Galactus were so moving that there was moments when I like, you know, teared up. Wow. And it's such a powerful story. And, when, you know, one of the worst villains in the Marvel Universe becomes, you know, like this almost like someone you can sympathize with in mm-hmm. a way. It's just phenomenal and it's plausible. Like it's not anything like it's going out of character to make um, this a better story. Mm-hmm. It, it all fits in with uh, this tale of the end of the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Um And... I can't say enough good things about the way this was written and the way this was drawn, the emotion that's shown on Sue's face when she finds out about him and, you know, how torn up they all are. And, you know, I'm not, I haven't read a ton of Silver Surfer stuff. Um, I think the Mobius Stan Lee book was another one I read, but um, really, I don't know if I've read anything else other than that. And I felt for him. And you get this glimpse of him as a character that touched so many lives in such a profound way. And um, it's so moving. Someone else, uh, I should have had this up on my phone, but I I tweeted about it and someone else read it. And we had like a conversation that was basically like the feels in response. (laughs) Oh my God, all the feels. And I was like, right (laughs) So many emotions, <laughs> and it, that's that's just what it is. It's this beautiful book that's just it, it's about the Silver Surfer, and it's about Norrin Rad, mm-hmm. and how he became the Silver Surfer. In a lot of ways, it's a partial origin story that ties in to his end. Mm-hmm. So
0: I want to read this.
1: Yeah, it sounds fantastic.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: so yeah, it, it's. It's stunning. Wow. I, I, I don't know, Bob. I don't know if you can set aside if you've read it, or you, you can set aside your hatred. For <laughs> no, as say, Straczynski, it, but it, mm-hmm. it
2: is a love hate. I didn't care for a lot of what he did with Spider Man. Made it all sort of mystic and weird. His Wonder Woman wasn't bad though. Well, he did the run just before, right before the changeover. The,
1: the, the changeover, right? Yeah.
3: Um, it's divided up like the first part of the book is, um, you know, like book one is Fantastic Four. And then book two is Peter Parker Mm -hmm. and Spider-Man. And you know, like him, Peter Parker's also trying to kind of cope with it by trying to find a way to help him. But the Silver Surfer's past all that, right? Like he's just accepted it. Mm -hmm. And he's trying to find ways to you know, not squander the last of his days. And he helps him find purpose in his final days. And it's you know, so great. You get these stunning panels um, where, you know, he returns home to his home planet. And it's it's not a story about trying to save him. It's just this eloquent story about who he was. And I can't say enough good things about this. The hardcover, I, I own the hardcover and it's a beautiful, beautiful edition. And if you find it,
1: it's well worth owning. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome, Stephanie. That was great. I mean, I, I wasn't on my radar at all and now I, I, I want to run out and get it like, right away. So
2: I think that You sold three of them. Yeah, <laughs>
1: I think you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's Silver Surfer Requiem. Um, obviously, uh-huh. J. Michael Szerzhinsky and Esad Ribic uh, on the art there. Um, the other thing we want to talk about, seventy, is uh, Animal Man ended. Yes. Uh, with yes. Number, number 29.
6: Powerful.
3: Yeah story coming to an end.
1: Yeah, so obviously relaunched uh, The New 52, Jeff Lemire and uh Travel Foreman, and that team is back together here uh, on this book, with Jeff Lemire also doing some art for the first time uh, mm-hmm. on the book itself. It's been a, a book that we've talked about a lot in the years that we doing this podcast. It was one of the, it was kind of my my first kind of favorite book, I think, you know, coming mm-hmm. out of the, the the relaunch, the one that really kind of sparked my interest big time and maybe see kind of comics in a different way, I think. What'd you think of the ending, Stephanie?
3: I thought it was, it was a little different than um, I thought it would be. You know, there's a bit of a build up to a different ending than what you get. Mm. Um, so I was a little bit like, oh, you know, that's, hmm, that's different. But, you know, it's not a bad different. The ending that Jeff Lemire's provided for this uh, book it's still something that works so well with the series and you know um it ties into the last little bit with you know uh buddy baker accepting his grief and Mm -hmm. you know kind of just it it, it's it's his family like this isn't a book about buddy baker it's a book about buddy baker's family Mm -hmm. and at the end of this you know that's still what it is it's not buddy baker Animal Man. It's Buddy Baker, Family Man, who happens to be Animal Man.
1: Right. Yeah.
3: And it ended. Uh, the stuff that Jeff Lemire, you know, drew for it was great. Uh, he he tells a story um, from the perspective of Little Wing mm-hmm. and illustrates it, and uh, I thought he did a great job of, you know, conveying what she was, you know, saying. And it was a really poetic way to bring everything around. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's it's very kind of storybookish, right? Like the, it's, mm-hmm. it, what I love about it is that it's been Maxine's kind of character throughout the entire, um, the entire book, mm-hmm. but there's this moment where, you know, she, he's kind of going to say goodnight to her and she basically says, dad, sit down. I need to tell you a story because you're really sad and you need not to be sad anymore. And it's one of those things where to see a, a child and the child that's been gone through so much be so strong is, is, is really kind of wonderful. And what he has done best throughout this entire series is exactly what you said, Stephanie, is that he makes it about the family and he makes it a, the stakes for Buddy Baker. There obviously are some global stakes to what's happening um, with the red and all this stuff. But really what you really care about is what's going to happen to his family. You know, mm-hmm. like throughout this, there's the last storyline is, it's trying to, you know, it's them searching for his, 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 his son. And, 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 and while it's going on, there's, there is the world's ending. Like, you know, the, the red is being taken over by brother blood and things could just turn horrible for the entire universe basically. Um, but that's really not what you care about, right? You care, you care about the personal stakes that are happening. And I think that's really wonderful. And,
3: um, you know, Maxine's been given, These incredible powers, and it would be easier for her to, you know, use them, uh, you know, in unseemly ways, and she, because she just doesn't understand, but she has this profound understanding of what she's done, and in a way, it's a little bit uh, creepy sometimes, Mm -hmm. the way she gets the world, and, you know, even Buddy Baker doesn't really understand how... She thinks like that, you know, everyone's in awe of this child who is just beyond her years, but is still a child at heart. Like she's still this little kid that needs her parents and needs her brother. And in a lot of ways grieves more than anyone else when they lose Cliff.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that the way he's played that storyline has been really, is really, really excellent. It's been extremely, extremely touching and extremely raw and real. Um, and I love here in the storybook version, of, you know, of her doing it and and kind of what she wants it to be, and in the end what it actually is when you actually see his real life. Um, and there's that very touching moment at the very end with him and the, and the spider. Um, and then I, I will say this too: I think that this this book has has benefited from a lot of great artists being on it. Um, Travel Foreman started this book you know amazing stuff he's back here doing great work again to close it out Steve Pugh did it for a while as well and did a great great job um Raphael Albuquerque has has, has did like the the last arc and I don't think there's it was Cully
3: Hamner also
1: Cully Hamner did a yes did a couple issues as well one issue yeah which was a great issue um beautiful Raphael Albuquerque just it's perfect marriage
3: oh my god yes
1: of content and, and and art and I, you know, it, when when they announced it, I was like, oh my God, that's perfect. And I, But I, I didn't even think mm-hmm. of it before it happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, and to see it, it, it was just great. So the book, you know, even though it's changed artists has always maintained a very good art style and it's been a big part of what the book is. And of course, Lemire's writing is really fantastic. And I was really curious about how he was going to add his art to this issue because he, we, uh, before I got it, he had talked about how he was doing art in it and, uh, you know, it fits in perfectly with the way he did it. And it's beautiful stuff. It's some of the oh. best art I think he's ever done too. Yeah, Yeah.
3: Um, you know, and what you were saying earlier, that this title kind of took you by surprise, it's the same thing for me, you know, if you had told me before we did this podcast that I would become an Animal Man fan, I probably would have been like, who's Animal Man? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of characters that, I mean, at least for me, I know of, but I don't really, like, know.
4: Right,
1: yeah. Um,
3: it's still a world that, you know, we're all building up in our own ways, Except for maybe Bob, who knows everything, but <laughs> um, you know it. This is, you know, I love Batman, I love Aquaman, I love Swamp Thing, but Animal Man is easily the best title that came out of the DC New Fifty Two, and easily the best title that fit into the whole idea of a reboot. Mm-hmm. It was the one of the only series that was completely, um, you know, just you didn't need Wikipedia to look up anything. Like you could Mm. just pick it up and go with it and know what was happening. And it stayed true to the whole idea of bringing in new readers and kept me the whole way through.
4: Mm.
1: Yeah. Very well said. And I I look forward to what Lemire does with him in in the Justice League book that he's taking the character into. And there's obviously stuff that's even left undone here. There's some secrets that Buddy has that he doesn't Mm. reveal to, to Ellen, his wife. And I just love how it's, there's, it's so much about a relationship because there's so much compromise. And, you know, he's like, you know, she doesn't want him to be a superhero, but he's like, I'm going to be a superhero, but it's going to be a, a nine to five job. I'm not bringing it home with me. And, you know, it, and neither one is quite, I think, related with that, but they want to be together. So badly, they're willing to make it work. I think there's some really good messages in there. And about it's, what it is.
3: you know, there are, um, obviously, you know, Fantastic Four with Reed and Sue and Mira and Aquaman. I mean there are superhero couples and families out there, but I don't know if they've ever been kind of explored to this extent. I mean, I've never read FF Mm. and I know you guys are all, you know, huge fans of that, but this just is so emotionally investing. Mm
1: -hmm. The great thing about it too, is that, you know, half of them don't have powers, which I think is what's so cool about it. You know, that um, you're dealing with a son and and a wife who don't have any powers. And so it's, it's not about, them going on adventures with these people it's just about actual slice of life home Mm -hmm. stuff which is great um so yeah animal man number 29 great way to end the series a quiet way to end the series but uh, i think really really effective
3: i'll definitely be picking this up in an omnibus if they yeah release it because it's honestly it's so worth it guys
1: absolutely so we say goodbye to butter baker blonde man um (laughs) with animal man number 29 all right awesome so animal man number 29 and Silver Surfer Requiem, Stephanie. A lot of emotional books from you this week.
3: All the feels, Gus. All, all the <laughs> I'm feelings. I'm emotionally torn up and
1: <laughs> All of the feelings. Bob, let's go over to you.
2: No feelings. No feelings. No feelings. Just superhero stuff. This Just time superhero around.
1: stuff. Um, so all new Invaders. Sure. There's one. One of your book has some feels. One of your book. That yes, your, that's your book true. of the week has some feels. Okay.
2: So Invaders number three. Number two was a little bit of a placeholder. Not as good as the first issue, but uh, it was okay. This one is uh, Prince Namor-centric. You know, he's been held captive by Tanulth the Pursuer. We haven't gotten to see why, and we see here, and it's a really great sequence with him. You don't see too much of him doing anything anymore, even over in New, New Inven- Avengers. Yeah, yeah. He's just sort of hanging out being an Illuminati. Here you get to see his powers in, in full full effect. Unfortunately, it doesn't help. Very much. <laughs> he gets into big trouble. He's overpowered and taken prisoner up into Hala the Cree homeworld. Now our heroes being Captain America, he's not so thrilled with stuff like this and rescue mission. Mm-hmm. There's a problem. When you've got as one of your partners, a wanted criminal in the Winter Soldier, how do you mm-hmm. how do you get to space? You can't go borrow one from the Avengers now. It's mm-hmm. sort of out of your legal and up in trouble. He recruits th- Using Bucky, the Golden Age Vision, who was seen in X-Men Legacy fairly recently. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. And originally appears in Marvel <laughs> Mystery Comics number 13, <laughs> way back in oh, wow, look at 1941. That. And Carl Burgos, who created the Human Torch, created...
1: So he's really mining all of that kind of that territory right. from those characters. Now he was
2: in uh, Alex Ross's two Invaders series, the two minis, more, most prominently in Invaders Now. He is not an android. He is a creature from another dimension who can travel in smoke to any place. So if you want to get to some other planet and you've got a guy that can travel through dimensions, and he was part of your team back in World War II, well, that's who you call. <laughs> of course. So. First of all, you know the Human Torch, the android Human Torch. He and Cap, you know, hang out a little bit until this gets going and go up into space. Unfortunately, Tannith is waiting. Mm-hmm. We do discover that the device they're looking for, the God's Whisper, that's supposed to give them power over gods. He hears from Thor directly. It doesn't work on us. We figured that out in World War Two. <laughs> but we saw that you know, we we fix that. Mm-hmm. So why are they doing this? So they, mm. they figure, oh, we can go up there and we'll give her some lip and we'll take neighbor and go home. Now, mm. big surprise ending. Now, uh, there were a lot of good books this week, and I could have picked a couple of others. As contrast, James Robinson's Fantastic Four, which you haven't heard me speak a lot about, except <laughs> poorly, sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> oh. is not been so great so mm. far, two issues in. <clears throat> he still has it. This story is very well done. Lots of great character moments between uh, the Torch and Cap, Bucky and Arcus the Vision. And why is that missing in a book that is so filled with characters? I don't know. But uh, Art is Solid, Steve Pugh, really nicely heroic art. Nice little quiet moments, too. I'm enjoying all New Invaders so far. Awesome. Anybody else? Steve's left already, I think. No no, little...
0: no, I, no I did. Um, I did pick up issues one and two. I did not go for a third. Honestly, Bob, it wasn't a matter of quality because I there are times when I'm willing to give something, especially something that's that's new, an issue to kind of breathe And that's actually when we get to my books of the week, I'm going to make that very mm-hmm. that very point. Um, it's just every week that comes along lately because there's so many books I'm having to make cuts and there are things that I've had to leave behind that I did Mm -hmm. not want to. But if it's just, if it's not, if it's not firing on all cylinders for me for the moment, I have to let it go. Absolutely.
2: That's a great call Yeah.
0: Well, it's like you said, you know, like like with all all new um, X Factor, how it was, it seemed to have taken a turn and it might have an upswing and, you know, if I had just gone that one more issue, I would have... (laughs) I but you know maybe I would have seen that but I again another instance where you know whatever number one from image came out that week and I was curious and then when x-factor hit my pile it was like and I put it in the maybe pile and then the maybe pile turns into the no pile and it's just it's getting I hate to say it but it's getting easier to say no to certain books because other because of other books. That's not but that's the best. good. That's Your pull list is ridiculous yes. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> What's that?
3: Your pull list is ridiculous sometimes. That's a good thing.
1: Poppycock. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs>
3: yeah, okay, okay. <laughs>
1: cutting it down is a is a good thing. Sometimes. It's a really good thing. Um and especially cutting it down in exchange to something you're not loving to take a chance on something, I think is the is the right way to do it. And you yeah. know,
3: like we talk about single issues cuz we you know, read them to be up on the show, but you're not missing out. I mean, they're still going to be collected in trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, that's kind of the philosophy that I'm trying to to train myself and adapt mm-hmm. and all and that I mean, stuff. Right. Little Marvel by little. Marvel and
3: DC charge ludicrous amounts of money for their trades, but Image and Dark Horse and everyone have them for such reasonable prices. Right. That, yeah. You know. DC
1: isn't even that bad. It's just they take forever. Well, that's mine. You get out. the hardcover
2: first. Yeah. And yeah. then six months out yeah. after that.
1: Marvel is ridiculous. So I think like the... Like, you know, when you put out like a, a soft cover edition of the Spider-Man arc, it, it shouldn't be twenty four dollars. That's too oh, much money for sixteen ninety nine.
2: Would be yeah. The,
3: uh, I went to most. yeah. I went to buy a physical copy of Next Wave because uh-huh. I had it digitally, and I, you guys know I love Next Wave. And like, you know, the U.S. price is reasonable, but a lot of stores in Canada won't sell them at U.S. price and like cover mm. price for any comic is like. Ten dollars more, so it's like forty dollars for the next wave trade. And I'm like, "F that marble." If I
0: can, (laughs) if I could just interject, if either one of you uh, would like me to, the next time I go in April uh, to Canada to see my girlfriend, I go to Heroes. They have in their used bins; they're seven dollars a piece for the trades.
1: But
3: next wave of Next Wave, wave. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to find it at BMV, and like every single time I'm looking for one specific thing they never have it as soon as i'm no longer looking for it they have like 15 copies of sure. it that was like what happened with hellcat <laughs> couldn't uh,
4: find
1: i love it. Hellcat. couldn't find it
3: couldn't find it couldn't find it had to buy it full price next time i went into the store they had like 15 copies hmm.
1: i mean i like, would love a second you edition. Suck. yeah the second uh, the second trade i, I can get that for yes. you awesome
2: yeah no problem now, someone told me there's a website was it half price trades or something yeah i like have that? a
0: couple of links um some people i think on the forums have been sending in some really great links to yeah. books that people just wholesale. They they just have so many of them, and rather than keep them at the high price, they're looking to just you know unload them. Yeah. on fans and stuff.
1: Well, there's a cool one of the one of the. There's women on the forums too. I don't know if people want to drive to this or not, but there's something like a trading. Oh, the thing. Oh, yeah. buy the sell BST. trade. Yeah, the yeah. BST, which I think is awesome. Like you know, people are like, "I'll just, I'll send you this trade. You send me this trade." You know, if, so if you guys are interested in stuff like that, definitely go to the forums and check that out because it, it's pretty awesome. Wheeling and dealing in the forums. I know we've gone
3: off, gone off on a tangent, but that's no, actually also, a good thing to bring up. Yeah, sure.
2: Also, ABE books. It's the Advanced mm. Book Exchange, where I just discovered that yesterday. Oh, it's great. It's every used bookstore in this country and others,
4: mm.
2: and sometimes those other countries, I. I bought "I Kill Giants" from a bookseller in England, hmm. the, the the expensive large giant edition, which I have to get back. From There's another
0: year. collector's edition coming out. I know uh, very I soon. Know. <laughs> but <laughs>
2: it was ten dollars, and it was two dollars shipping from England.
1: Oh wow!
3: That's nice. Madness. That's awesome. I, I found an art of Mary Blair book on there yesterday. Is that I'll <laughs>
0: Um, and for anybody that we, you always hear us talk about, I Kill Giants. I Kill Giants is only nine
3: ninety
0: nine <laughs> for the whole thing and trade paperback.
3: But Buy it's it. Like all of Image's books. Yeah.
0: Like, I know, but you know,
3: it's impossible to find a book from them that's like over twelve bucks. Okay, not impossible, but like <laughs> no, very it's very great.
2: possible. <laughs> yeah. Come and shed some tears
3: with but us. But rare.
2: But it sometimes makes it hard to buy the single issues. It does. It's it sort it of hard. like, well, you know, I can get six issues for a buck and a half a piece by waiting six months. And they come out the week after. Really quickly. Well, yeah. that's yeah. like the, the, yeah.
0: the wake. Uh, Scott Snyder's The Wake. It came out, I think, either the week of or the week after. Nine ninety nine yeah, for the first five. I know. Yeah. So, so
1: what? It wasn't a very nice trade, though. It was kind of very like... A little flimsy? Yeah, a little flimsy. Uh, I'm waiting on Velvet, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, let's move... Uh, that was All New Invaders, number three. Yes. We talked about a while ago. And then, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to your, your absolute book of the week. I, I think it's going to be a, a high on all of our lists. Indeed. Uh, Ms. Mar- Ms. Marvel, number two, from, um, from G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona.
2: And let's just talk about Ian Herring's colors, Joe Caramanga's letters, and Jamie McKelvey's cover, too, because it's all amazing. love Jamie McKelvey. And uh, you are wrong, though. It is not my book of the week. (laughs) It's not? It's like my book of the month. Okay. I was like, you lied to me, Bob. You lied. (laughs) I lied. We pick up where we left off in in our last issue with the Terrigen Mist and, and Kamala Khan having issues after having snuck out of the house to go to this party she's not feeling well. And she's mm-hmm. so not feeling well it's because she's been transformed into, into Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. The Carol Danvers version with the bathing suit and the sash and the, and the whole mess of it and can't quite figure out what's gone on to the point where she sort of pukes in her own hand, which is
4: mm-hmm. rather charming
2: in its own way. You don't mm-hmm. see superheroes do that very much. <laughs> but... She begins experiencing other things. The, the costume is shifting as her focus disappears. She, she just sort of wanders around looking at, at a city that is now covered in, in, in mist. I don't want to give away too many jokes, but she realizes she needs what, what just happened. She wants to transform. So you get this three page, three panels across a page mm-hmm. of her straining going transform <laughs> and nothing, mm-hmm. just nothing. It is this book is funny, utterly charming, uplifting, heroic. I I can't say so much goodness can be contained in a book that came out of nowhere. I mean, mm. we we expected this to be really good. Mm. It is better than advertised. Her heroism here, and there's a great quote from the Koran, as she has to save drunken Zoe, her her nemesis from mm. school, who's fallen into the harbor, and and. Josh, I think his name is, is useless Mm -hmm. because he's just as bad. And she embiggens herself, Mm -hmm. (laughs) another (laughs) classic quote. But while she's deciding to save this girl, uh, it's a quote that her father always uses, whoever kills one person, it is as if he has killed all of mankind. And whoever saves one person, it is as if he has saved all of mankind. Yes. Maybe this is the new: with great power, there must come great responsibility. It's definitely
1: hers. I mean, but yeah, it, yeah. and it
2: is there, and she does what needs to be done by expanding her hand out into mm. this giant mitt. Right. <laughs> Scoops her up from the bottom, and the people are surrounding her and look, it's Ms. Marvel, and mm. you have got your old costume again. And but yeah. what's up with that hand? Yeah. <laughs> Everything is leavened with this this, this humor and humanity. She is a real teenage girl, mm. which is lovely to see. It, it's not an attempt at being a teenage girl. It, it, it reads and sounds like a real, real person. The art is just spectacular all the way through. Mm. We are at a situation here where her life has changed. And why it's going to change, she has powers. But as, as she points out at one point, is this is what I wanted to make me happy, mm. that I could – well, let me get – I'll go for the exact quote. I always thought that if I had amazing hair, if I could pull off great boots, if I could fly, that would make me feel strong. That would make me happy. But the hair gets in my face, the boots pinch, and this leotard is giving me an epic wedgie. <laughs> but she knows she's now destined for something bigger. Mm. And we get to that. She goes home. Her, her brother sees her sneaking in, thinks something bad has happened. I'll call the police. We'll get the, the brothers from the mosque. We'll mm. take care of this. No, I am I'm, I'm okay. Well, that's a shame you're okay cuz your parents know, Yeah, you're in big trouble. You're really big trouble. So now it, she's turned into this you know regular girl again. She just went from saving someone and I'm going to be better and no, she's still a girl who's now grounded. So fabulous. Now I'm in trouble too. I can't even read this. I'm so tearing up already. <laughs> this had to have happened for a reason. I saved one life. Does it stop there or do I go on? Maybe this is what I've been waiting for. Maybe I'm really part of something bigger. Yeah. Well,
1: one of the things that Ms. Marvel reminds me of, it reminds me of a couple of things I love about comics. A, I love teenage superheroes. I, I think that it's an important part of the medium, and you know, uh, to have a bunch of people running around who are adults who have their lives together, it's cool. I mean, there are, there are plenty of cool superhero stories come from that. But the, the this, you know, I, I think there's a reason why. Spider-Man is, is is continually so popular, um, and it's because of that kind of I can identify with him outside of the suit, and he's this kid who doesn't have his crap together, and it's more about this more than just having powers, right? Her getting powers does not make her a hero. Mm-hmm. She needs to become a hero. She needs to decide what she wants to do with her power, and it's very much a metaphor for for life. You know, you don't get just because you have the skills doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to become that thing you want to become. You have to make it happen for yourself. You have to make a choice to be better. And that's what she's doing mm-hmm. and the other thing I love about this book is that look i don't think it's I, I i don't i don't think that exclusively you have to have been a novel writer to write deep stories, but you can tell that G. Willow Wilson writes novels because there is a lot going on here under the surface, a lot of subtext, a lot of context a lot of a lot of themes and a lot of thematic work that only really happens in novels you know it but what what's great about her is that she's a novelist who obviously has great love and respect for the medium that, that she's working in, so she's she's doing both at the same time. She's working in the superhero milieu while she's also imbuing it with the these the, the slice of life and the multi layered approach that that comes from prose writing in general when you don't have the images to um to, to rely on and yeah but yet he or she has you know gorgeous images. To rely on. I mean the, the the art is unbelievable.
3: Mm-hmm. And sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Writing is actually like a part of Kamala's personality too because she you know Jill G Willow Wilson in like a bunch of interviews has said that she's a fan fiction writer right you know she grows up in Jersey City and very plausibly sees all these superheroes on a daily basis doing these incredible things and as a teenager you know she writes her own stories
1: yeah Absolutely. So that's
3: like, sorry, that's interesting to me. Yeah, no, it is
1: very interesting. And I I love it's about identity. I love that. Like you said, she gets what she wants. She's, you know, she's blonde. She's tall. She, you know, she's beautiful. She wears the outfit she wants to wear, but that's not who she is, you know? And, and she's, she starts to learn that being who you, who you are, you can be more powerful that way Mm -hmm. than just looking the way that you think you're supposed to look and acting the way you think you're supposed to act.
3: there was a friend of mine, I, I kind of had a discussion about this with a couple people when it came out cuz like I read it and I loved it. Like I'm very much on board with what Bob said. And I was talking to my friend and he, you know, was like I didn't like it very much. And I was like, "Well, why didn't you like it?" And he was like, "I felt like it was really weird that for her to feel powerful she had to be a white blonde woman." Mm. And I, I I I was like, "Oh. I wonder if that's like a thing that, you know, some people are feeling from it, and I talked to another friend of mine that lives down the street, and he read it and loved it, and I, I was talking to him about what he thought, and he was like, "You know what? It's something that I get because you know, there, it's part of growing up, uh, and not finding heroes that look like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's her channeling, you know, what she thinks a superhero should be like. Yeah, when you shapeshift, your mind goes to Something that you um, you admire, and obviously she's a big uh, Kamala's a big Carol Danvers fan, Ms. Marvel fan, and it's natural. But you know, there was this brief moment when I was like, I wonder if this book is coming across as you know not as a good role model for other people. But I was really happy I had this other conversation to kind of help give additional perspective. Yeah, because it, it made me come back to it and love it again, like just for making her even. More of a real character to me. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's awesome that it even brings up those questions. Yes. You know, know, that's what I think is so fantastic about the book.
3: Yeah. Like, I was just, I couldn't believe that he didn't like it. And it just, you know, caused me to kind of talk to other people about it. And I was really happy, interested too, to see the different responses people are getting from it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Steve, what, what did you think of it? Well, I mean, like many, many other people, I'm absolutely in love with the book. I enjoy the colors, the art, the story, all that stuff. But um, I know I'm, Bob was reading some stuff out at the risk of, of just reading you the whole issue <laughs> on this episode. I wanted to read one little spot where uh, one of my favorite parts was uh, right after she saves Zoe, uh, what made me happy was seeing Zoe take a breath of air even though she makes uh, everybody feel like crap. I'm glad I was mm-hmm. there. I'm glad she lived. Mm-hmm. The idea that she's willing to put the... The torture and the teasing and all the things aside, and that she not only looks the part of a superhero, but becomes the superhero as well within those moments, uh, just really speaks to her character that not only does she write this, you know, fan fiction stuff in her free time, but she believes in it. And I love the idea of having a character that believes so wholeheartedly in Mm -hmm. the superhero mission. Mm Mm-hmm. That she's she's an honest to god superhero even without the powers. That if that's how she feels inside, it's just it's a it's a beautiful thing for for a yeah. character to have. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, I knew this was going to be Bob's book of the month, book of the year, <laughs> yeah. probably. Uh, it's really off to just such a a, a powerful and enchanting start, and I, I really. I I almost wish that it was getting that jump start where it was coming out biweekly for the first 3 issues but I also love the idea that it's not and that the the power and the, the influence of each issue has stayed with me through those 4 weeks or 5 weeks or whatever the schedule is and I was just when I got my hands on it I I completely I sat down I had like a little thing of bourbon and I kicked back and I was like, it's finally time to read issue number two. And I could not have been more excited to delve into it. And I was, I was not disappointed and it's just, it's the makings of a new powerful hero. And I really hope this book just takes off and, does well in, in all regards to comics and makes way for other characters. And if not, if that doesn't happen, at least we
1: have this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Stephanie, did you want to say something else?
3: Um, I th- like, there's one thing with the Zoe stuff. Like I know, you know, she kind of started to see the darker side of her a bit, like the kind of nasty side. But, you know, like in the first issue, I got this impression that Kamala really saw the best in everyone, you know, or she wanted to see mm-hmm. the best in everyone. And, like, the, the drastic kind of turn from her to be, like, oh, I'm helping this jerk. Mm-hmm. And, well,
1: like... Yeah, well, at the end of know, the first issue, though, she's really jerky to her.
3: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's
1: yeah. really um, awful to her.
3: But at the same time, you know, for the most part, like, I, I want her to keep seeing the best in people because I think that's part of her charm.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree I with think you on she that. she definitely will. Yeah, and I, I do one little moment in, uh, other than these big moments. I love that the end, even though her brother is a hard-ass like and seems, you know, ridiculous. Like he obviously really cares about her and you get that really yeah. kind of brotherly moment between the two of them. You know, um, cuz he doesn't like yell at her when she comes back in, you know, he's more concerned and then he's kind of just does that very droll kind of brother thing which is like you're in a lot of trouble. And like but, you know, kind of bows out.
2: And even the parents who could be haridans about this. Yeah. It's no, we're concerned. You you're not supposed to be yeah. doing that. We were so worried.
1: Absolutely. It's and, a really and, great issue. Yeah.
2: Now, uh, I said this after we did the first issue mm-hmm. we did a, half a show about yeah. the first issue really. I am, as someone who's read comics for a very mm-hmm. long time, I am getting the feeling I did when I read Spider-Man mm. 50 years ago. Right. Wow. And that we're we're in at the start of something special that's really different than anything that's come before. Mm-hmm. And it does build on Spider-Man. It is building on Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. But this Ms. Marvel is doing something triangulated from all of these other places to somewhere entirely new.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Ms. Marvel number two, if you guys aren't picking up the series, you guys should really be checking it out. All right, so Ms. Marvel number two and All New Invaders number three awesome. from Bob. Mm-hmm. All right, Steve, let's move on to you. Yeah, let's talk about Daredevil. We t- we spent enough time not talking about Daredevil. <laughs> so long. <laughs> so long. He's been away forever. We spent. Oh no, we spent like sixty three minutes not talking about Daredevil. <laughs> um. So <laughs> well. So um, it was kind of going to be on both of our lists, so we figured.
0: Well, we'll tag team it. it. Yeah. All right, Matt Murdock is back. Yeah. Daredevil number one, Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Uh if there was ever a jumping on point I know that a lot of people we were trying to coerce people into jumping onto the series and saying, oh you know you should pick up issue number seven is the perfect jumping on point and then you're going to go back from there and blah 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 and at you know what 29 issues how many issues 30 no I'm sorry 35 35 issues Uh, yeah. yeah it's a little bit um intimidating knowing where to to hop in but this is daredevil number one same team and I mean, they haven't missed a beat at all. Uh, and I don't want to—I don't want to give away too much because I want people to kind of go into this fresh. But uh, obviously, after the events of the last Daredevil series, which wasn't that long ago, uh, <laughs> no. Matt has relocated himself right. and uh, basically has to get used to his old home turf and uh, is in San Francisco, mm-hmm.
1: San Francisco, yeah,
0: San Francisco, California. So we've moved from. He's still in Hell's Kitchen, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Hell's Kitchen to San Francisco. And it's just I loved watching him get re reacclimated to his surroundings mm-hmm. and knowing things about the city, but being away from it for a time that he has to he has to relearn it. Just like people are jumping onto this number one and, you know, being reintroduced to the character, he's being reintroduced to to his environment and having to, you know, uh, basically clean up his name and mm. and hope that people will want to be associated with him. Luckily mm. for him, there's at least, you know, a few people that have a lot of respect for the work that he did mm. in New York and are willing to give a superhero lawyer a shot, especially when you have a uh, very capable uh, partner in your in your law firm who uh, happens because you're blind she puts her name above yours yeah. in <laughs> giant letters on the door. And, you know, it's fine. Mm. Everything's fine. But uh, it's it's just it's a super heroic number one. You get Daredevil doing all the things that he does best. Uh, the narration and just him bringing you through the story and bringing you through this, kind of this tale of of him going out and rescuing this little girl and all the little nuances of the city and how someone with his specific set of powers would deal with being in this place that's you know, new, essentially, because, I mean, he knows every flagpole. He mm-hmm. knows every brick and every building in New York. And it's just, it's like muscle memory for him. With San Francisco, the terrain is totally different. Mm-hmm. And he's like, why couldn't you put your buildings closer together? <laughs> this really sucks, you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that it it shows off not only his smarts, but also his like almost detective work that he does. That his with his with his super hearing and everything and he just he adds a spin onto onto his heroics that I I don't get from any other character. Mm-hmm. Um the art is beautiful as always from Chris Samney, just the perfect pairing between him and Mark Wade on this title and on this character. And uh I, I'll let Bobby jump in because if I keep talking about it I'm going to end up ruining something for you guys. All <laughs> I could say is it's wonderful. You hear us talk about Mark Waid and, and, you know, Daredevil all the time. This is the point where you guys, if you're at all interested, should jump on because it is fantastic.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, we, we talk about number ones, um, it's, it's really exactly what you want, right? Because when we talk about this and his, his run going on, every couple of issues, he would always kind of go, here's the origin story again, here's what's going mm-hmm. on, does it again here, you know, he tells you who Daredevil is, how he became who he was, why he's in San Francisco, and all within telling the story of him saving this little girl. And what I love about Daredevil, and Steve, you mentioned a little bit, is I love the details. I love yeah. him talking about how he relates to what he's doing. And this it, it's, the, it's the coolest thing about the character. The fact that he's blind and he has to relate to his world in a very different way. Right. But... You know those little things, and I I love how he plays it for comedy. He plays it for drama. That first moment where you know he's talking about he was talking about I know every brick in New York. I know. Yeah. And he's like you know, he's running. He's doing all this crazy stuff, and then he you know he throws his club and he just it, it hits nothing and he just falls. <laughs> yeah. You know and he says this is not New York. You know this. So it's 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 wonderful little moments like that. There's the realization of of what's going on in this story that. And then it turns, and then you have emotional stuff right. happening. The last page is, is very, like, what the hell's going well, on at a moment.
0: I have a theory about that that we'll talk about off air. Yeah. Cause, uh, but uh, one of the things I, I forgot to mention just before is uh, in the very beginning, when he's kind of being brought in on this case, I love that because people see him at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But then he sits down, and he's got these headphones on, and he's listening to the evidence from this case. He's like, well, did you hear this? Yeah. Did you did you notice this? Did you notice that? And I love the smugness about him. Sometimes <laughs> he's very you know he's very smart and yeah. he he does the job. But at the same time, he kind of you know goes out the window with a little bit of a smirk on his oh, face, yeah. knowing that he kind of showed up everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm totally okay with him being a little bit of like <laughs> he doesn't
1: he doesn't like when people you know I, I think he partly loves it and partly doesn't like it when people you know, underestimate him because he, he is who he is, you know, but yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, it's exactly, it, 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 it it goes off right from where we left off, but also introduces something new. Um, Stephanie, I know that you read it and I know that you kind of, you weren't reading the the previous series. What did you think of it?
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the last couple of, uh, of the podcast, oh my God, words. Um, (laughs) you know, like we've been talking about what makes a good first issue and especially with Marvel renumbering all of these, um, series like long-running series and you know some of them are great jumping on points and then some of them aren't like they Mm. just don't get the idea that you need to give all this information to people if it's a number one or at least give them you know stuff that they just don't need to know about Mm. and um you know i've read two or three issues of the last run of daredevil but i mean other than that. Nothing else. And so you guys were giving it such high praise and a couple people were talking about it on Twitter that I was interacting with and um I decided to read it. I was trying to hold off until I read the other stuff. Um but you know.
1: Oh. Stephanie. Where'd she go? She was gonna say something, Bobby, like sorry, uh Stephanie, wait a second, you cut out for the last like twenty seconds.
3: God damn it!
1: You said you were going to try to wait to read it until after Ugh. you read the other stuff, and then you just yeah. cut out.
3: <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was going to try and wait to read it until you know um, after I had gone through the last run. But you guys had given it such great praise, and so you know I decided to check it out because you know you can always go back and read runs that mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. you you know it's not like a book series where you need to get the first two books to get the third one. Like you know you can go back and get read other runs yeah anyways um but it was exactly what you said bobby like it was a perfect first issue i got his origin story in one page mm-hmm. and i got everything that's been happening through sprinkled throughout the whole book and it, it's not just in your face like this has happened this has happened this has happened it's not a zero issue that's just recapping everything it's throughout the issue in this way where it's almost like a diary entry like it's almost like Dear Diary, now I'm in San Fran.
4: Yeah. What's
1: up
3: with that? (laughs) And like, you know.
1: It's a very good description of what it is.
3: But, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all, because it's like his internal dialogue. He knows what's happened. And, you know, it's like he's starting the first page of his journal in San Fran. This is my life. This is what's going on. This was my day. Right. And, you know, he's like, it sucks that this happened to me. sucks Mm -hmm. that I'm blind. sucks that I don't understand the city. But, you know. (laughs) That's something that I'm getting used to. Mm. And it works really, really well for this book. I love the art. And I posted, Bobby, we had a discussion about this. We did. I want him to do She-Hulk so badly. <laughs> the colors and the line art is so perfect for She-Hulk. So perfect. Yeah. Um. And I know you said he'd be perfect for like everything. She said
1: but... that he should be great. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just, that's the answer to everything. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, know,
3: Fassbender,
4: like, yeah. Exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um. But i can't say enough good things about this 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 issue just really caught me off guard and you know you guys spoke so highly of the last run i'm happy to be on board with this run now um i will go back and read the other stuff but this is a fantastic first issue and a perfect first issue
1: yeah i to- totally agree absolutely and i'll uh, mentioned the colors how are your Arrigas? is the is the color artist. Yes. And he's wonderful. He's done a couple, of, actually, some art in some of the issues in the, in the last run as well. He just did the art on the uh, the Superior Spider-Man Annual this this past week. I still have to read which that. Which was also very good. He's a great artist in his own right and a uh, fantastic colorist. So th- this book, like we were saying, if you want to get in the last run and just felt like you couldn't because you were too far behind, pick this book up and read it because you're not going to be sorry. I mean, if you like superhero books, th- this is you, th- you don't get much better than, than but it's Darren it's not Neville. even...
3: I mean, he has superpowers, but it's not like they're really, you know, like showcased in this. It's just a story about a dude trying to do the right thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's Daredevil's kind of whole, yep. whole deal. His, His whole shtick. And I don't think, or you mentioned that thing about the way he filters in the backstory. In, in comics that I've read, modern comics i read, I don't think there's anyone who does it better than Mark Waid in, in doing that, you know, in, in t- t- organically telling you backstory in, in, in an issue where you don't feel like you're, you're just getting an info dump. Well, Anya. two quick
3: things. Like, oh, sorry, you finished. No, go ahead, I'm done. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, like, I loved the part with his new partner. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, is the door exactly what we talked about? She's like, yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, I thought that was really fun. Mm. And But the second thing that I will mention that does take away from the perfect thing of the first issue uh, a little bit, but that was at the very end, so I guess, yeah. Mm. But that was um in, like, with his former partner.
1: right. Like, well, let's I, let's I did, not spoil I mean, anything. I,
3: I got a general <laughs> grasp of what happened, obviously. Right. From what they gave you. But, like, that was the only thing that I was like, what?
1: Well, to be fair, that's. We, uh, Steve and I have read the entire series, and that last moment is what for us as well. Yeah. Oh. Uh,
3: yeah, it's, it's, okay, it's well, a that's total. That's actually a really good dimension then, because yeah. I just assumed that I would need to Wikipedia that shit. No, no.
1: no. You know, you we have no idea what's going on. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, so it's a big surprise. So, Daredevil number one, definitely check it out. Um,
3: so, and also, you're not. Missing out on anything, if you get to the end and you're
1: confused. No, because mm. it's just a confusing ending. It's and I have to be. a theory, which we'll talk we'll about We'll talk later. about it after. Yes. Um, so, Steve. Yes. Disney, Seekers of the Weird. It's back. Number three. What what is, what is it about this book that brought you back?
0: All right, well, here's the thing. First of all, uh, Seekers of the Weird is from Marvel and Disney, part of the Disney Kingdoms series, and it is by Brandon Seifert with Art. Dun-dun-dun-dun, by Felipe Andre this time. Wow. Oh, yeah. And uh, I also want to mention the colorist, but I I might butcher this last name. Jean-Francois Boller. Sounds right to me. I think I got it. (laughs)
1: Jean-Francois (laughs) Boller.
0: Oui, oui. All right, so... All right, I got several notes on this because I wanted to explain myself. Okay, first of all, I really enjoyed the first issue and it, it set me up for what I was hoping to be a kind of like a madcap adventure of two ordinary young adults forced into a fantastical world with high stakes and lots of twists and turns.
1: You just thought that the top of your head?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I took I took notes. I wrote like a review of the whole damn thing. Hmm. Um, but then, then the second issue came along and somewhere within the book, it seemed to have lost like a little bit of its pacing, a little bit of its steam and charm. And I was worried that perhaps my enthusiasm for it was premature. Uh, and I was worried. And I, I'll admit, it was in the maybe pile when Robin handed it to me. And then I'm looking at, I'm looking at the cover, which, by the way, Mike Del Mundo uh, does the covers for these and they're Gorgeous. The next one in particular, number four, is going to be when it comes out will be my number one pick for covers. Of the week. I don't even care <laughs> what other covers are coming out that week. That's number one. So this number three comes out and I see I look down and I see that Felipe Andrade is the artist and immediately it went from being in the maybe pile to the definite pile because i love i loved his work on captain marvel and was really excited to see him on something on something else so now at number 3 i'm right back to being excited about the book and thankfully the story has picked up steam once again and the environments the creatures the characters uh that are being introduced uh they're fun and it's just it's getting to the point with the story where we've gotten some of the in-between stuff out of the way and it's starting to become a bit more of a mystery and it's getting to the point where characters that we thought we could trust we now know that we can't. I love that uncertainty in a story. I love when you have a character that all of a sudden the you know the curtain's blown back and it's like, "Well, you might be pretty dastardly and have, you know, other motivations for us going through this ridiculous thing. For people that don't know what Seekers of the Weird is about, it's about two kids whose uh, mother and father own a curiosity shop and one day they basically get into this back room that's been off limits to them for a while and come to find out that their parents have been taken by these wardens of of time and mystery and they need to go into this kind of weird world and collect a series of uh, actually furniture to put together a room that will bring their parents back into their reality. And there's this like candle man that's burning down and it's kind of like a hourglass. It's really, really very Disney-esque kind of stuff. But in a nutshell, I'm really happy that I stayed on the book um, with having to cut books and stuff that i was talking about uh earlier it's it was definitely close to to getting the axe and it just goes to show that sometimes you need to give stories especially something that's not very long i think this might only be uh six issues this this particular story uh you gotta have faith i mean i know you're you know you're voting with your dollars so to speak but uh it kinda of taught me to have patience. And it's my favorite book of the week for that reason. That it not only did I enjoy the story and enjoy the art and I I love the environments and we're back to seeing we're being introduced to really weird creatures. And like I said, the character that we thought was our guide and our, our that we could trust, all of a sudden we find out that he might not be really cool. He might not be on our side. And there's just you don't you don't know what to do. I love like you were saying earlier with teen superheroes. I love stories from the perspective of younger characters because that inexperience lends a certain weight to them being in these fantastical situations. Um, and I'm a huge, huge fan of fantasy. I actually, uh, just this past weekend went to go and see Labyrinth, uh, on the big screen. I actually ran into BJ. Oh,
4: wow. I sat behind
0: him completely at random. (laughs) Um, one of our, our friends and, uh, it's just it's it's a it's a wonderful story. I'm really hoping that the pacing now that it's kind of picked itself back up, and uh, I would love it. I don't know who's on the book for the rest of the time. I would absolutely love it if Felipe Andrade was for the remainder. I don't know if he was just a fill-in artist, mm-hmm. but um anybody that's curious about it, it's super good. And maybe in when it's collected in a trade, check it out um but if you're curious just know that it does it does really pick up in this issue and if you want something that's a little strange and kind of just a a relaxing read you know you don't have to think very hard the the stakes are high but because the situation is so bizarre and the circumstances of where they are are so bizarre it's like being trapped inside of A conglomeration of a bunch of Disney attractions Mm. within this one space. There's trap doors. There's, you know, armies of of talking mushrooms and just weird pendants that are able to, to, you know, um, bend statues to your will and ghosts and everything coming through the walls and mummies and just all this classic magic stuff going on within this curiosity shop and it's, it's just so cool. So I'm really, really happy that I wound up, uh, picking up. And honestly, it was that Felipe Andre thing that Mm -hmm. made, but it was like make or break the, you know, continuing to get this for me and, uh, just really happy that I did.
1: Cool. Awesome. Seekers of the weird. Yeah. Number three. Awesome. Awesome. So to my books of the week, um, it's a, it's a Scott Snyder special for me Uh, Uh, (laughs) and none of them are Batman. So that's interesting. So, uh, superman unchained number six came out obviously scott snyder uh writer jim lee artist uh with scott williams and uh dustin Wynn is actually um just uh, the backup story the very short epilogue um so this is the end of the arc basically we we started um uh the guy's name which i also escapes in my brain uh, wraith wraith the the kind of nuclear you know the kind of superhero as nuclear weapon that they introduced in the the first issue has been kind of a friend of me of superman throughout this entire thing here the 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 kind of militant sect that's going to try to destroy the world their plan comes to to fruition superman and wraith have to stop what's happening and then they also have they also end up fighting each other after after that's over uh I feel like I haven't read an issue of this in like three months. I've only read the first one. I've you been collecting them with the exception oh, really? of that one. Yeah. Oh, I've read them all, but I mean, I just think it's been a while since issue five it's, came out.
0: It's good. It's short, right? There's
1: like eight issues, maybe. He, yeah, it's definitely ending. Yeah. yeah. So
0: I'm I'm probably gonna wait till the end and then read it all in one shot.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I've been I've been singing the praises of Greg Pak's Action Comics, which has been fantastic, and, and it's nice because it's a good good time for Superman right now. This issue is really great. I mean. You got kick-ass Lois stuff first of all, you know, dealing with this 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 sect, which was great, and the soup stuff is, is is really is really a lot of fun. You know, there, there's this one scene where all these nuclear warheads, basically this the sect has launched every single nuclear warhead in the entire world, Ouch. and they're all go, you know gonna coming down, and Justice League is trying to stop them. And there's this whole thing where they're they're all kind of figuring out like what they each can do to try to stop it. Like, how many can you take out? How many can you take out? How many can you take out? And there's a moment where it all seems lost and Lois says, Superman, did we just lose the world? And he says, I will not accept that. And he comes up with Ooh. a thing to, to stop it, uh, which, which is really a great Superman moment. Um, so, but my favorite moment in the entire book, and it literally made me laugh out loud. And it's, it's dialogue followed by something I, I just, I didn't know what I expect. So obviously we have the justice league involved here. Kind of Superman's on the horn with Batman and, and all these, all these guys. And he gets delivered, Superman gets delivered a ring that he uses to fight, uh, Wraith. And he says, it's a synthetic mineral based on your power signature. I had specially made, um, it affects you the same way Kryptonite does me. I received the data confirming its structure while you were lecturing me in my fortress. It's good to have paranoid friends. And then it's just a panel of Batman watching. And he is like a musical note. Like he's whistling, <laughs> which is a great moment. Nice. Um, really, really awesome moment. Really fun book. Uh, you know, ends with kind of general lane, uh, attacking, um, attacking Superman saying, you know, are you just, you know, I say just declared war, uh, on Superman. Mm. So we'll see what happens with that, but really great Superman book, really fun, big bombastic action story. Awesome. Written by Scott Snyder. Really, really awesome stuff. Um, look forward to that. It's really good. <clears throat> and then my, uh, absolute book of the week, uh, American vampire second cycle. Number one, uh, written by Scott Snyder with art by Raphael Albuquerque. So American Vampire, I read the first volume uh, and really, really loved it. And read a few straggler issues, kind of in between. There was some like kind of standalone arcs that they did. That I, yeah, that didn't I you read out. the
0: mini, the Nightmare mini or something?
1: I, I read the yeah the no prisoners. What is it? Um, I don't know. Wait, it wasn't. It was not Raphael, It wasn't in the regular series. It was. Uh, it was um, Snyder and Wynn did it. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll look it up. Yeah, that which was really good. And I also read a couple. There, there was one when the Deep South one as well, which which was really interesting. But, oh, it's The Lord of Nightmares. Lord of Nightmares. There you go. There we go. There we go. So, you know, I, I don't have a ton of foreknowledge on American Vampire, except for a few issues here and there, and kind of knowing the basic premise. So, Second Cycle, I wasn't initially going to pick up, and then the kind of word out there was that it, it was a good jumping-on point, that you could read it if you hadn't read <clears throat> the other stuff, and, but if you read the other stuff, you could also get enjoyment out of it. So, I picked it up, and I have to say, look, there's definitely... I had to do that thing where I turn off the the part of my brain that knows there's another series and, you know, another, another, how many issues there are, yeah 40 issues, Mm -hmm. because knowing that I will constantly be asking questions to myself. Like you're missing something here. You're missing something here. You're missing (laughs) something here. You're missing something here. Instead of just like, you know what, just read it like it's number one. There's obvious stuff you don't know, but just accept that maybe the way he's telling the story, you don't have to know it. And then you will enjoy the story. Right. You'll get it eventually. You'll get yeah. it eventually. So. You don't...
3: Like, I've read everything, mm-hmm. and you're missing a lot of it because that's the way it is. Right. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not stuff that's been in the other books yet.
1: Right. Well, again, that's the other thing, too, right? That that's the problem with... And you mentioned it kind of with the Daredevil thing, right, Stephanie? The last moment where you felt like you were confused because you hadn't read the previous stuff And just didn't know and didn't know something that you're supposed to know. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a similar thing. I feel like where it's like, there's all these characters and he does a pretty good job of telling you who they are. But the part of my brain, like I said, who's like, okay, but there's 40 other issues. So obviously when she says this, it must mean something (laughs) else. And the situation that's happening here must be set up in eight other places. And like you're saying, Stephanie, that's just not the the case for, for this, for this Mm -hmm. issue, which is really nice to hear because I really loved it. I thought that it's, scary it's um you know sort of sweet in a in a kind of a weird way as well i i loved the people in the book now the the two people that are the main characters here if you've read the first trade you know who they are right it's, it's pearl and, and yes. skinner so they they're two characters that are very prevalent in that first trade um and so I was like, okay, I know who these people are. I don't know what their lives have taken them across mm. in these last couple of years, but I know who they are. So I was able to just be like, okay, let me just read on. And the stuff with Skinner, it, it feels very much like that first you know, that that first volume because it's a separated story between these two characters. And I, I enjoyed both of them very much. I'm very, very curious about what Pearl is doing, a kind of like underground railroad uh, mm-hmm. uh, of vampires – And I'm also, I'm just enamored with the fiction of the universe, like Mm -hmm. the different kinds of vampires and where they come from and how they fit in and what's going to happen. All that stuff is really interesting to me. It didn't confuse me. It just made me really excited to go back and read the stuff that I missed. Um, Stephanie, as a person who, you know, read all of American Vampire, what'd you think of this book?
3: I loved it. There, there were moments when I thought I had missed something, you know, like you thought too. I I was like, "Oh wait, is there something that I like?" What? Mm -hmm. This person's daughter? What? Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) What? And then I was like, "Oh." And you know, like little bits fall into place as you kind of go on. Mm -hmm. Um, But most of it is like I, I don't think there's anything really. There's a couple like hints to the first volume where they're talking about Pearl and Hollywood. Yes, um, but they give you that information. Like it's not like they only hint at it. Right. Yes. Like, they that's mention true. it and then they're like, "Oh, yeah, when you were an actress in Hollywood." Like they go back and explain that a little bit, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much, I think, the only thing that I can really think of that would have kind of been a what? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it's deliberately being coy with you. Right. Yes. Uh, you don't know what's happening, and I, I think that's. Part of what he's building, like it's going to be, you know, a really horror tastic kind of <laughs> uh, mystery.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he does it with Skinner as well. He does like a yeah. quick recap of Skinner's like existence.
3: Yeah, the Skinner stuff for me was a little bit more like, huh, what's <laughs> happening? But for the most part, um, I, I I thought it was a really strong issue. Like to come back to, yeah. I mean, you can tell. I think at a panel um, with Scott Snyder, he was talking about how much he loves the character of Pearl, and you can just see, you can see it in the way he writes her with such like interesting personality traits and just the way she is. Yeah, she's just awesome and terrifying.
1: Yeah, well, she's extremely badass in that first scene where the little girl is running away. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she comes out to meet kind of like the hillbilly dudes who are trying to uh, trying to get her. Um, really badass
3: and you know I I reviewed this like on like I think one of the first podcasts we ever did together Mm. the first volume and Raphael Albuquerque he brings back the terrifying to vampires Mm. like he is a horror artist like that is his territory you know any book that I can think of that requires spooky art could only be made better by him. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, he's just terrifying. And there's this one moment with this little girl that Pearl is um, taking in where she's kind of behind Pearl. And I won't spoil, like, what happens or anything, but it's just, like, her eyes and, like, a silhouette of her. Yeah. And it's terrifying. It reminds me of the scene in The NeverEnding Story with Gamoric.
4: Oh, don't say that word. It gave me
3: nightmares. Like, seriously, I was afraid of the dark as a kid for, like, years Mm -hmm. because of that. But, like, that reminded me of it. Like, it's just these subtle things that he puts into his art that just makes it perfectly, legitimately terrifying. Because I'm just going to keep using the word terrifying over and over again because that's (laughs) what it is.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Steve, what did you think of it? Um, I really...
0: It's funny. It's it a lot. A lot of what I think of it has already been uh, been said by the, by both you and Steph. But um, when you said that it made you want to go back and read more, it's funny. I read it and immediately went to my bookcase and found that I have I have volumes one and two in trade, and then I have I like, I I knew it was Scott Snyder, and that was when we were like we were in the the grips of Scott Snyder fever, <laughs> where I pretty much buy. Anything that he's got his name on, mm-hmm. even if I'm not reading it, I pick it up, knowing that I'll go back to it. So I have to go into my my long boxes and find out exactly where I started collecting because I have a lot of it mm-hmm. in single issues. So I really want to. I think maybe all I need to do is get the third trade, and I and I'll be set to read the whole thing. But yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. I the thing that I, I noticed the most about it, I mean, aside from the the beautiful art and just the the world that he has has created uh with these vampires and everything. The the issue itself was very robust in the fact that I I, I kept reading it. In every time I turned a page there was more and there was more and there was more and I was, I was like, this is gonna end. I didn't not that I wanted it to, <laughs> but I just I felt like I got a lot of book for what was there. And I got a really, really good idea as to what this world is about the feel of it um just like I, I almost like tasted blood in my mouth
4: <laughs> from from
0: the I've I, you know the coppery uh, uh taste and whatnot and it's very 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 cool you don't get a whole lot of great vampire stories anymore vampires in recent years have kind of been neutered in in ways by Hollywood and so on and so forth and this just throws all of that crap out the window and like Stephanie said it just terrifies you uh, to the vampire all over again uh and yeah it was it was easy to read and it was funny because I I picked it up and I read it uh, in preparation for the podcast and then I went into my shelf and I picked up volume number one and within the first like four pages of the first trade I was totally I was like up oh, there's pearl mm-hmm. there's Skinner mm-hmm. and it like came flooding back and I was I was comfortable, you know, mm. once more. I'm really excited to to read this and to go forward. But in the meantime, if it's going to be coming out monthly, I'm going to use that time to go back and get caught up so that I can get the full story and the full enjoyment out of it. Mm. Um, there are things that you read and you're you're okay with just jumping on where it is and you can go forward mm. and you don't care. This is one of those things where I want to go back and I want to find out You know, the story they do a really Scott Snyder does a really good job of telling you what went on during that time and only in a only in a couple of pages. But it's it's like peppered throughout the book that there's nuances of it and and hints to it. And like Steph said, that it's coy with with its delivery. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just it's another credit to to how smart of a writer Scott Snyder is and him back with uh, Raphael Albuquerque. It's like Mark Wade and Chris Samney. Mm. They're two they're are they are are creators that just make, you know, ridiculously good teams and they have fantastic chemistry together and this is one of those teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely, sure. absolutely. And like, uh colors, you know, we took the colors, Dave McCaig, is all the colors are awesome and in the book. Yeah. As well, oh, they're beautiful. So but sorry, like, Stephanie, go ahead.
3: They're both I mean, when I think of both Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque, I associate the, the, the genre I associate with, with both of them is horror. Mm -hmm. And they, like you said, Steve, like they just, they're a dream team together. They are perfect. They they mesh so well. Their ideas and everything just comes to life when they work together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A really embarrassment of riches this week in books. There's some really fantastic books this week. Um, Speaking of fantastic books that came out this week uh rocket girl came out this week we're we not going to talk about we didn't talk about here because we're gonna take a little break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk to the people who make rocket girl oh what brandon montclair and amy reader so stick around we will be right back So we are back here on Talking Comics, and we are thrilled to be joined behind the team behind Rocket Girl, Amy Reader, and Brandon Montclair. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Comics.
6: Hi. Thanks for having us.
5: Yeah, it's great to be here.
1: Yeah, guys, we, we've been a big fan of the book, and we were supposed to have you on, I think, what was it, over... For Halloween Eve. Yeah.
6: <laughs> oh.
4: <laughs>
1: And uh, we got slammed by a hurricane. So <laughs>
2: on Halloween Eve. On Halloween
1: yeah. Eve. So we lost all power, and there was no way we could possibly do it. But
2: uh, yeah, Amy and I also
5: in Sandy both uh, lost power for whatever it was, five or six days. So yeah. yeah,
1: it was a it was a crazy time. But you know, we're very lucky to split a year and a half later. You're here, so we're ready to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So Rocket Girl's out, Bob. I know you had a question about kind of how they how they make Rocket Girl.
2: Yeah, what is your creative process? Is this Marvel method, full scripts, or just butting heads in a room? How does it all come together?
6: Yes. I'll agree, <laughs> kind of.
5: It's 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 mostly traditional, which is surprising because we're neighbors and we you know we know each other pretty well and we've worked together a long time. But mostly it's it's a straight script, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty traditionally done, and you know I, I have a I put in some art direction, but. Like people always say, you know, it's always up to Amy to, to switch things out. Um, But that being said, we do talk about story and, and kind of planning a lot, which would be in the same room, butting heads. And every time we do a spread uh in the book, it's been kind of been Marvel style so far. Yeah. Where it's like, because most of their action, and then it's okay, Amy, just get from point A to B.
6: And then you'll do some cool you'll dialogue do some, and narration.
5: Yeah, some narration, some dialogue. So. Yeah. But it's pretty traditional, otherwise. Um, and then after the after the script's ready, is kind of when we collaborate the most,
6: um,
5: right? What what, you when, you doing the, when you're doing when you doing the layouts.
6: Oh yeah, yeah, probably. And also, also at the very end when I'm lettering it all and mm-hmm. um, since I letter it and he and he writes, so.
5: Right, but they're asking about the process. So after you know, Amy will lay the book out.
6: Oh, I see what you're saying.
5: And uh, <laughs> you know, just do quick scribbles, and we'll kind of go over it. And even in that, we we change the story a lot, too, to make sure it's flowing a lot. So it kind of mm-hmm. goes back and forth.
1: Mm. V- very cool, very cool. I know, um, uh, Steve, you had a question about the art itself, kind of like the nature of it.
5: I do have a
0: question
1: mm. about the art. I know, I, I we did it to <laughs> <laughs> Um So my,
0: my question is this, because one of my... I love a lot of things about the book, but one of my favorite things is just how dynamic the movement is. And my question is this. Uh, the character of De young achieves lots of dynamic mo- dynamic movement throughout the comic, particularly when she's using her jetpack. My question is, how exactly do you go about drawing these unique body contortions? Is it perhaps a series of positioned models atop a workspace, or do you refer to books or have a live model? How do you do that?
6: Um, You know, none of those, actually. I just... Um, awesome. I just... <laughs> scribble until something feels the way I feel, because I I wouldn't say that I see things, you know, like to me it's kind of like a blank slate, so it's sort of like molding something. You draw something and you're like, no, that's wrong, this is why it's wrong, and then you just keep making scribbles until something um, gets close, like arrives to what you want. Right. Um, and and thumbnails are always really hard for me, though. So that's probably why. Um, I used to I used to model in front of a mirror, or take pictures, or stuff like that. But I very rarely do that these days. Um, most of it Most of it comes from my head. Huh. So, but yeah, it's fun with it's fun with Rocket Girl. Like I'm always trying to come up with some sort of pose or angle I've never done before. Which to me is why I draw. Because it's
4: fun to learn.
0: So nice, yeah. I've I've got one of those like wooden um, models that you buy at the craft store that I use yeah. to draw with. And I was looking at it the other day, and I'm like, mine doesn't do these things.
6: <laughs> yeah, so. you know, actually, I I have like three of those, yeah. which is I funny. Broke, I broke the leg off of one of them. No, you <laughs> didn't. Your daughter did. Oh, it was <laughs> Violet. Okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> which is. Whenever she breaks something, it's like it I think makes, I did it, and it then I makes gave you it to my love it, very like, quickly. Oh, that's said, smart. Oh, look, <laughs> that's you a good saying, idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I uh, I actually had bought um, another like a it was a very tiny, no, it was just broken. So then I got a tiny one because I was gonna make a model for these hawk cycles I have to draw that I made up. Um, mm. I was going to make like a clay model so I was like okay and I'll I'll have this little wooden mannequin with it to be in a pose and but yeah it wouldn't move right right like it doesn't even stay in a lot of positions right so um so then I bought like this other like fancy one that's metal and Ooh. supposedly um twists every which way I'm trying to remember what his name, they like have his own little name. I think maybe it's Adam from like Adam and Eve. I don't, I don't remember. But anyway, (laughs) um, so that one actually can do a lot of poses. But honestly, um, I think when you're, I think when you're drawing poses um, at some point you have to kind of graduate from uh, uh, um, thinking of the individual joints and parts and you have to start, thinking of it as a whole sort of like how animators always show how there's like one overwhelming line that controls the gesture you know yeah so um so yeah I I would say that I don't think that those are very helpful
2: that's <laughs> wrong awesome mm-hmm. thank you <laughs> now on, on that sort of vein here in your panel layouts for instance in the Times Square sequence you know de Young's barrel roll or the the subway chase in the newest issue how
6: uh-huh. long
2: does it take to come from your head onto a finished page that has to be a rather long process there's just so much involved there
6: yeah it's it's are you talking about um are you talking about just coming up with how to do it or are you talking about like coloring it and all that stuff
2: Little bit of both, you know. How do you come okay. up with the idea of your the panels roll over in the same way that she does in the shot? So th- that is oh. beyond my even thinking about that's <laughs> yeah. a, n- a level of meta that's just crazy. And then all the <laughs> details with it to get that to the page and having it look 3D on top of everything else because of the colors and the inking and the, your yeah, lettering that... and the whole the whole jazz there.
6: Yeah, no, I mean, it's not easy. Um, it, it, it isn't, but it's just like when you get it it's really rewarding but but yeah no, it's a uh, like thumbnails are so hard for me I don't like them I have to in order to even be motivated to do them I have to go to all these like public um, places where, you know so that almost like people they're afraid to talk to me because I'm drawing but they know that I'm drawing and it keeps me <laughs> going it's this really weird thing I have to do in order to thumbnail and um, and yeah, after a while you get into the zone, the thumbnail zone. It takes like 2 or 3 days of working hard though and I mean, it's it's hard to but yeah, it's hard to come up with this stuff. Basically, what it is is I just have a feeling in my in in my head and in my heart and and I just keep drawing in, until I arrive to it. It's it's such a pain, but um but luckily I I I feel lucky enough that I can tell when I've arrived at something. So then I know I can stop, you know? <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's not easy. Like the barrel roll was actually a hard one um, to come up with.
5: It does make maybe the finishes a little bit easier too, because you know, yeah. you say, people will say, oh, the blank page is the hardest to look at. Yeah. You, you, it's not like she has meticulously detailed Thumbnails or layouts, but they're all worked out.
6: Yeah, you know? so, they're, so I use can, them as underdrawings. So, yes, yeah, yeah. so you can
5: just, she just blows them up and then light boxes the detail
6: yeah. over yeah. it. So, and obviously, like during the penciling, inking process, like I'm still reworking things so that they're like, so that it's the right anatomy and stuff. But, um, but yeah, so it slowly becomes that. And, and even throughout the inking and the coloring, um, luckily, because I get to do all these processes, I can still tweak things as I go along so that they end up working in the end in some form. Hmm.
1: So, very cool. Very you cool. Sure do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, funny <laughs> thing is, we, we're, we're, we dived in about the art, and I just realized, like, we all love the book sitting here, and we were all caught up. But we might have listeners out there who, who haven't read the book who don't know what the book is. <gasps> who are those people? <laughs> so that's right. Uh, yeah. So I mean, they, if they listen to the show, we've talked about it several times. Right. But just in case, like, and right from the horse's mouth, why don't you tell us? You know what? What what is Rocket Girl?
6: You should do it, Brandon. You're the writer. Oh. <laughs> I was almost oh. gonna talk because I'm I must be an attention whore, but you well, go for
5: it. Well, you can you can fill in the blanks. No, uh, you know, there's the 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 short version of a pitch is, uh, you know, it's almost like the title speaks for itself. That's how it all started, right? Just Rocket Girl. But uh, Dayong Johansson, who is the Rocket Girl, she comes from the future to 1986 uh, New York City, and we've tried very much to keep that. Almost a period piece in its accuracy and its kind of attitudes, uh, to you know, to, to investigate um, this corporation and their researchers who are maybe messing with time stream in the future. Um, but you know, and the twist is that the future that she comes from is actually 2013. It's except her future has flying cars and laser guns and team cops and all that stuff. Uh, so that the and basically it was inspired by you know. 80s sci-fi comics or movies where by 2013 the world was supposed to be a completely different place with, you know, and everyone was supposed to have their jetpack. So so what happened? That's kind of what she goes back to to figure out.
2: Yeah, where hmm. is my jetpack? I've been waiting all these years on hoverboards. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. I don't
1: even want a jetpack. I just want the hoverboard. They <laughs> teased us. With the, <laughs> they
0: teased us with the hoverboard like a month ago. Yeah. You saw that, right? Yeah. Tony Hawk lied. Yeah. Lied.
6: Basically... Yeah, you know it's weird. Like, actually, I, uh, this is just an aside, but I was just thinking. I really thought that those hoverboards were like real in in um in Back to the Future Part Two. Was that like a special effect, or did they manage? What are you
5: crazy? Like that's the
6: <laughs> weird. Bit. Like just you saying that made me realize that I like, especially as a kid, I thought that that was totally doable. But even now, I'm like, how did they do that? Because it really seemed real.
5: Well, there you go. Yeah, magic disappoint. of the movies. I mean, only, only uh, you know.
6: Yeah, it's so confusing. Maybe somebody
5: right now is reading Rocket Girl saying, "Oh, is that real?"
6: Yeah, <laughs> I don't oh. think so. Uh,
5: so you mentioned, and the- yeah, and aside from the yeah. plot, it's kind of about growing up in authority, and she, uh, one of the character, you know, things that I think makes her an interesting character is that um, she sees the world in black and white, and is and has a lot of opinions that she, you know she doesn't want to sway from and that's going to get her in trouble, but also get her out of trouble too. And that's kind of ongoing, you know, does she grow up and become jaded or does she hold on to these kind of very rigid ideals and, uh, you know,
6: yeah, exactly. Yeah. And
5: then flies around a lot and gets into trouble.
1: Of course, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, you mentioned kind of the, the, the dueling time periods and storylines. I know Bob had a, a question about that.
2: Yeah, sure. Brandon, with the looping nature of the two storylines, the future of 2013 and our past, De young might be the cause of her own future and ours do you have a Jonathan Hickman whiteboard somewhere with all sorts of flow charts drawn on to sort <laughs> this all out
5: yeah, no, I mean I mean obviously that's been hinted at and that's and that's kind of a staple I think of all time travel stories right mm. how much is she causing now that she's back in the uh you know back in nineteen eighty six that she was you know she went there to prevent it but her being there is really maybe causing a lot of this stuff or starting mm-hmm. to cause some of this stuff. Um, I, You know, the time travel stuff, beyond the high concept, I've actually, in a long-term planning, tried to keep simple. Mm. You know, there's going to be a lot of reveals, but they're not going to be, like, mathematically complicated ones. They're more of character-based, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I hope. Um, and, you know, it, it, you don't want to lose people in the confusion. Uh, but, yeah, there's going to be some clever things and, and kind of bringing back, if you, if people have read number four, or it was even in number three, the two police officers mm-hmm. were in Times Square in the first issue, were also security guards later on in mm-hmm. in the future, who are now going back in time to get her. You know, it's um, there's stuff like that, and there's a lot of repetition, but you know,
6: but yeah, let's say, I I would say that our approach isn't like hugely like about concept, right, and like. Like the the mechanics of time travel, which I think, like, hopefully that's not off-putting to people who are really big fans of time travel. I personally, (laughs) I love time travel stuff um, and always come up with stories with it, but they like never have to do with the mechanics of it. I really like the human element of being able to look back or look forward and Mm -hmm. um, basically look at yourselves by doing it, so.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's That's, a great point, yeah. Absolutely.
5: Uh, so yeah, there, there's there, and there's definitely a long-term plan. Uh, we we had an arc kind of set out for five issues that we said, well, and we'll see how Because there's always we wanted to go ongoing series, right? And then by the time we were we were done with three, but before it shipped, we said, ah, oh, you know, this this first arc really needs to breathe more. So the first five are almost going to become entirely the first ten, which could be you know a hard ending, but with time travel, you can always expand it any way you want you can yeah. <laughs> go further back into the past and go more into the future you can go sideways into some kind of parallel spin off so yeah none of that the whiteboard is kind of there's, there's no whiteboard sitting with stuff marked up but there's always ideas of people sitting around and you can kind of take it in any direction but mm-hmm. you know is rocket girl going to go 15 or 20 issues total or is it going to go 200 that mm-hmm. kind of will dictate how much of that stuff gets used i think
1: right yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Um like you said, you know, she's a she's a police officer. She's, you know, starting to stop this horrible future, so she's very much a hero and I know that Stephanie has some questions about the nature of her heroism.
3: Yeah. Um so what are your personal philosophies on heroism and how much of that makes it into the story?
6: Hmm. Um well, I I think for me, like it seems like she's um it, it, it's the fact that she puts herself. Oh, sorry, we got a side.
2: Yeah. You said, you've
1: <laughs> said too much, Amy. You have said too much. They're coming for you. The
2: teen police are on their way.
6: <laughs> <laughs> the hoverboard police. Um, yeah. See, there you go. She's a. We got some heroes out on the street. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, I I think it's really just putting other people before yourself is the the big thing, you know. And 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 that's what I really like about Dai Young is she doesn't seem to have. A huge regard for her herself and in, in the big picture, which is very like very awe inspiring. Since most of us don't act that way, so
5: mm. yeah, I think she's really. I mean, you know, we want her to be an admirable character, and I and I like these kind of that kind of teen, not, not brash, but also real, you know, and, and certainly not perfect. But um, as far as personally speaking, I think I look at it as an as an adult. It's it's exact opposite of heroism, maybe what Die Young would do. It's, it is maybe understanding that things aren't so black and white and things have to be kind of considered in nuance. Right. Mm-hmm. So writing her, it's, it's like, I mean, I'm not a believer in, Hey, you know, people should take really rigid stands and fight for them no matter what and never compromise. To me, that's always a difficult person who's maybe doesn't have the greatest sense of justice. Right. Cause they don't mm-hmm. take into account all these things. So it's, it's, no, I don't mean to be critical of da Young, though. I mean she's like I said, her heart's in the right place and it's hilarious fun to write her, but it it really is a kid's perspective. And so, you know, as that kind of comes more and more out and more and she's developing on the page and in the new issues, it's really it really does become about I hope to be able to play it both ways. That like you can all you can admire her kind of rigidity and kind of roll your eyes, because oh I was once young and before I realized that Things get complicated. I used to be able to make these easy decisions. But it like I said, it gets her through the day a lot. It lets it let it lets her do things that not only a teen a normal teen couldn't do, but a normal experienced adult wouldn't be able to do in this world is kind of her is, is her her own personal code. So
3: Okay. Awesome. Um, well on the flip side of that, what real world villainy should never make it into a comic like Rocket Girl?
6: should should never wait
3: like what kind of you know bad things going on do you think like would never actually make it into the comic you guys I mean obviously there's a lot of things that are plausible to happen Mm -hmm. but I mean it's also very fictional so what sort of things are okay to touch on and what you know? (laughs)
6: You just
5: pointed Um, at me for some reason. I thought thought it was your turn to go.
6: um, um, Well,
5: I'll I'll get you started. But I, I mean, I think, you know, we do want to be realistic. There was a misconception sometimes in solicitations and people who haven't read it. Oh, it's a book for kids. And it really isn't. I mean, hopefully, like, you know, a kid can enjoy it. But it's not all ages type of stuff. But we do, that being said, I think we shy away from a lot of brutality and stuff, you know? Yeah. So...
6: I, I think that's kind of my own natural reaction. I don't really like drawing violence that much. But, um, but yeah, um, and I think, you know, I think we've, ha- like, alluded to some pervy things, but probably don't want to go <sighs> too far with that, you know, it, it, just because it's such a huge downer since she is a kid. I don't know. I'm trying to think what there is. But, I, I mean, you know, it's definitely not like, super gritty or anything but but we don't feel we don't feel super limited either like brandon said it's not it's not something we see as a kid's book obviously we have somebody who's like a 13 year old commissioner gomez um in the future is smoking and drinking so (laughs) it's kind of irreverent in that Mm. sense um but yeah i don't know
5: yeah, but I mean, I think there are a lot of thirteen-year-olds in the world who who smoke and drink too. They're not they're not as old school as Commissioner Gomez going about it, you know what I mean? But um, it's you know, and she has a relationship with with Lashawn, maybe, right? I mean, we, I don't think we're ever going to be, and by explicit, I mean I don't think we're ever going to really talk about it. It's like a Mary
6: Poppins. About,
5: well, yeah, and what's his name? Chim
6: uh, Chimney guy. Yeah.
5: <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, but I think that's something that. A, a real 15-year-old would have also, right? Or, or something they experienced. And again, but not that realism is is what we're doing. It, tone is a creative choice. It's an aesthetic cho- choice. And I think, you know, you know there, there is going to be peril and there is going to be consequences. But again, if we're too savage, it just wouldn't fit, I think, the feel of the book more than, you know, any kind of moral parameters that we're trying to... You know, yeah. be wary of.
6: Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, Bob, I need a question about some of the influences of the sure. book. Sure, yeah.
2: there's a little bit of a manga anime vibe to uh-huh. Rocket Girl. Is there an influence from that arena for you guys?
6: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think I I I think like more than even other projects I've been on, I really wanted this to feel like an anime. Um, something about just the thought of a character named Rocket Girl. It's kind of like. Astro Boy, Boy or Mega right? Man, you know. Yeah. Um, I so yeah. I, I felt like um, I wanted it to have that same sort of dynamism, if that's how you say that. And um, <laughs> and and yeah, I think in general though that I do take more of a manga anime approach to things.
5: That's kind of where Amy came up through, you know.
6: Yeah. So. Um, yeah. What do you think? No, what? for
5: sure. I mean, definitely a lot of the stuff. Um, some. Some of the older schools, you know, manga that I used to like, you know, Nausicaa or stuff like Appleseed, even more by Shiro. Um, really good books with le- with lead female characters that are still action oriented, that are still probably read by more guys than girls mm-hmm. over in Japan. But like I said, it you know it's so hard to find those types of characters in comics or in movies over here. People will always throw out like Ripley from Alien or something like that, mm-hmm. but a, a legitimate female lead in a book that should be just as appealing to men as, as it is to women or maybe even more appealing to men you kind of subscribe to men like action yeah media, yeah media you know um then definitely akira right that kind of yeah. that's right
6: yeah
5: because a We're lot of that that is
6: as like a big time influence
5: yeah both the movie and the manga mm-hmm. because again it's just that's about things moving fast our motorcycles than that but you know, again, that was an 80s comic that took place in the early, you know, 20th century. 21st yeah. century, I should say. I'm sorry. Um, so, yeah, you know. So, definitely all kinds of Japanese manga.
6: Yeah, actually, and, and it, yeah, it's not just that, like, but anime started to get really amazing in the 80s. So, if I think it kind of gives, it kind of adds to the 80s feel, you know. And I know when I color, I I tend to color with a sort of, uh, I guess, um, 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 cel shaded look to it. It looks a mm-hmm. bit cel shaded, and and that's just again because I want it to feel animated, I want it to feel a little bit like anime. Mm.
2: Nice, yeah. Now, I yeah. quick question It's not really related, I just thought it was, but mm. it may not be. How important was it to have a diversity within the characters in the, your future segments? It seems as if everyone's multiracial. <laughs> yeah.
6: Take it away, Brandon. Well, no, that that
5: is, you know, you always worry about doing anything like that because it's a sensitive subject that people take seriously, so you don't want to take light of it. But I thought it was, it was, you know, so I don't want to be dismissive by saying it was a a gag, but it was a bit of this, this perfect, you know, people throw around the word like post racial, but the only people who, who I think use that word or people who understand we don't live in a post-racial world. I don't, ever, <laughs> I don't think anyone ever makes the argument mm. that we actually live, po- you know, oh, we're in a post-racial, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> so for, I mean, we really want to make t- 2013 a kind of perfect society. There is a big brother element to Quinta Mechanics, but until, you know, the cops just kind of, focus in on that they're not really doing anything wrong and it is all these mixed races and it's kind of like maybe that's a trend because it seems like today trendy right for mm-hmm. you know you yeah. know mixed race couples and, and mixed race children and everything else so yeah it was kind of consciously done they get people like Lashawn O'Patrick who would be you <laughs> yeah. know African-American and half Irish-American and of course Diane Hanson and everybody else mm-hmm. to kind of be that way and then in the past a couple of more stereotypical types of people um Again not not that you know hopefully not presented in any kind of bad light, but like detective Gicone or 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 you know the uh, G- professor Austin. or gene yeah. or or professor Sharma kind yeah. of again just to show so just to kind of be um a foil to this crazy biracial future that we kind of created, but diversity in general is very important I mean I let Amy chime in on that.
6: Yeah. So, so, I mean, that was important for us to have characters that were pretty diverse. And, and, um, it's an interesting challenge, um, doing these future versions where, where I actually am trying, I don't know that I always succeed, but I'm trying to kind of pull off sort of a believable, like, um, multiracial people, you know, or biracial people. And then, um, and then, of course, in the '80s, um, just trying to represent people because it is New York, so it's not like everybody's white, you know, and <laughs> and and of English background or something like that. Yeah.
5: yeah, yeah. so you know, you know, aesthetically it is. But again, I mean, we've said this a lot. It's not even to be political about diversity, but we did. When we did Halloween Eve, it had the black female lead character, and you know, still people at shows will come up to Amy, will come up to me, you know, and, who really identified with that character or appreciated that it was something different. Um, and it's, it's nice to be able to do that, and it's politically good because there's, I mean, obviously you can add up all the characters mm-hmm. and see which races and genders are underrepresented. Mm-hmm. But it's also, again, I always say, if you don't want to take a political angle, it's just good business because, you know,
1: is, yeah. you might
5: as well do something that's different and stands out, you know, you know. Yeah, that's kind of my my philosophy. Like, why do the same thing if you're gonna do something creator owned and you're not forced to work with characters that are either 50 or 75 <laughs> years old? You might as well, like, you know, go the other way with it and say, oh, well, let me. Here's my chance that I can do somebody who's not, you know, 35 white male who's a billionaire. You know. Yeah,
6: exactly. <laughs> and you know, conveniently, it really helps with storytelling. Like. Like, if people have different skin colors, for instance, it makes it really, like, it makes it so you can show somebody's hand and you know who they are, you know, which is very convenient, I have to say, as an aside. Um, So, yeah, I I hope, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are doing that more and more lately, but hopefully with all these creator-owned, we'll see more of that sort of thing. But, Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Steve.
0: Sweet, my turn. Yeah. All right. Uh this is
6: for both of you. Since your creative
0: pairing at the start of Halloween Eve and moving into Rocket Girl, uh, what are some of the most important things that you've learned from one another about creating comics?
6: Hmm. Um well I'll chime in. Like, I, I think uh I think one thing that I've really learned working with Brandon is that it's not a bad thing to think out of the box. I mean, like like, Brandon has a lot of cool ideas on, on how to do things and what would work specifically for us. And they're the sort of thing that a lot of times people might resist because it hasn't been done yet, you know? Um, and so far, like, you know, it, it's nice to have somebody like Brandon to work with because he's kind of this voice of opposition that, but with reason behind it. And, um, yeah, I feel like we've been able to do some things that that, you know, a lot of people said wouldn't work and they do. So that's kind of the biggest thing for me. Very
5: yeah. Nice. I think, yeah. And I, and I've been familiar with kind of Amy when I was an editor and, and working with her on Madam Xanadu, and even before that, some of the, the Tokyo pop stuff, which I didn't edit, but I was kind of aware of. And I was leaving Tokyo pop when Amy was starting her book, fool's gold over there. Um, but, you know, I, I learned a lot from all the people I worked with writers and artists, just looking at their scripts and looking at the finished project and talking to them and, you know, being involved in every little piece of the creative, 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 process. processes. But as far as, you know, to, to specifically answer your question... Oh, excuse me? Oh, no, that was just feedback. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we uh, lost you. First,
1: just... you, got, you got a... The last couple things you said, the last, like, sentence you said, Brandon, it kind of uh, cut out. So you might want to say that again.
5: Oh, I, I don't even remember what I said. But I, <laughs> so, um, again, I'm working with a lot of different people as an editor. You kind of learn about all those little pieces uh, of the things that they do. Um, and as, as someone who's not... Um, an artist and wasn't a writer at the time, right? Just working as an editor, you you do pick up a lot of things and learn to appreciate it. But specifically to your question, which is different, but maybe interesting is completely not, you know, something that happens on the page either way, but it's, it's, you know, Amy would say a lot of things when I was an editor about, Oh, it's very hard to get certain things done or, or you have to, I have to be in the right mood for it to work Mm -hmm. or fan response is very important or not important or all these kind of like kind of personal things that affect, the creative process. Um, And, you know, to me, it's just kind of like, oh, that's a crazy creator saying stuff. And, (laughs) you know, maybe I am, maybe maybe I'm more balanced than some, you know, maybe than the average creative type. But now it's like, oh, now I learned that when you're actually in the person doing something, whether it's writing
6: for me or
5: something else, it's like, oh, you know, you, you know, there really has to be, you know, you have to have like the right mix of positivity plus incentive you have to be in the right space for things, and it's really hard. I mean, it's hard to kind of create art, whether it's, you know, you're a comic book person or anything else, and kind of put stuff out there for people to hopefully enjoy or maybe criticize as how that comes down. But um, it's been – it's different. It really is – you don't experience it as an editor, at least I didn't, you know. Although I would hear it a lot, not just from Amy, from everybody. Yeah. Kind of, this is how my life goes, and you don't – it really is different, and um, it's been – you know, it's great, so –
6: Yeah, and it's nice. to It's reassuring to hear him say that now.
5: (laughs) Yeah, right? You were were right. You can say I told you so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Bob, I know you had some other questions kind of left for the end. I know you want to run through those. Sure.
2: Uh, One thing is, DeYoung remarks that everyone in the past is in their own universe. Is that a comment on the me decade of the 80s or today?
5: Oh, yeah. Well, she says that kind of... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a comment on... I think New Yorkers, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, but it probably existed then and now. I think that's one of the things that's it's interesting in time travel, how it is a completely different world from 30 years ago. But again, you want to do some things about how it's exactly the same. Even if you're writing, I think, if you're reading Northlanders, right, about the old Vikings, The part of the reason you're reading is because, oh, it was 1,500 years ago, but it's kind of the same as it is okay. today. Yeah. So I think, you know, and that you know, that the one time she mentions it but also that there is kind of a loss of, of connection I think in both time periods. I don't know if if Amy Oh you know, yeah, just in different
6: ways, you know, um just in different ways. But I, I think I think Brandon hit on the point that like yeah the eighties um the way that we're drawing the eighties versus the quote unquote future makes it so that some some of the future is like it is now, and some of the '80s is like it is for us now. Right. So, um but yeah, no, I I think it, it's like a different type of alienation, right? Um It's gotta feel like when you're when you move to a different country and you're trying to figure out, like, yeah.
5: And I think for da young, she felt comfortable just in her own world, and maybe thought that she was more connected to people, but, you know, because she had peers, and in this sure. new world, she really doesn't have a peer, and. So she feels that alone, and maybe is projecting a bit, but you know it's ambiguous intentionally. So
2: now, if she saw some teens from 1986, what would she think of
5: those kids?
6: That's what I want to know, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's,
5: that's come up kind of a thought of of, of how that would react, and and sometime it, there's no concrete plan to do it, but she wouldn't think too much about them, I don't think. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, she would be kind of like you know.
6: she would she she would think
5: even less of teens in 1986 than she does of adults well and and yet
6: and yet like what she's really fighting for when you think about it is is our right to be kids you know because obviously in her future there that's not really an option so she's got to somehow embrace the idea of just being able to be a kid
5: well, yes, in a way, right? Because, but, but also, she gave up her her, her youth. Yeah, you know, so that's with, true. With her job that she has, also, uh, yeah. which I think you know, a teenager might think is perfectly fine to do because they all want to be adult. Uh, but also, so it's it's a funny thing. I think all teenagers and there's a lot of this in Die Young. They they want to be adults, but they also hate adults. You know what I mean. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it hasn't been answered yet, but I, it, I think it's something that will have to fit in uh, when the time is right. But I will say this, the the quantum mechanics scientists, they're all kind of these PhDs working, uh, you know, uh, work are PhD candidates working in a corporation. Um, not to get too complicated about it, but my wife is a chemical engineer. She she's got her PhD and now she teaches at um, she's a research lab at NYU. And you know we're both in our late thirties, but she has a lot of students who are twenty-three or twenty-four, which is about the age of Annie and Ryder and Jean and Chaz and all those people. And she works very closely with them, and I know some of them too. And they really are just kids, you know what I mean? It's like they're they don't, babies. yeah, they don't know what they're talking. They're twenty-three <laughs> and twenty-four that that they don't know what they're talking about. But um, so to me, they that's something that's never really we never hit that on the nose, but that I'm always playing with, and Amy's always playing with is that they are also kind of foolish too and kind of immature also. And da Young thinks that they're just these old people, but they're in their 20s. You know, yeah. I think anybody who's above 30 or 35 can say, oh, you know, I really didn't know anything when I was 25. You know? so, Definitely. But maybe not. I don't know. That's, no, that's I think you're right. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I always say my father got so much smarter between when I was 16 and 21. I don't know what school he went to, but boy, he was so much smarter. <laughs>
1: Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Um, well, Brandon, Amy, we could talk to you guys forever. Um, but thank you so much for coming on talking comics and, and talking to us about rocket girl. Um, I know, you know, we talk about it every time it comes out. We love it. I I think it looks like no other book, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, on the, on, on the market. And I think it's, it's just a great read. So thank you guys so much for making the book and thank you for talking to us today uh, on talking comics. Um, when is the next issue out?
6: Um, should be April 30th. All right.
1: Oh, yeah, right
2: but, yeah. Well, yeah,
6: it might be a week late, <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> but not, not, not really. Far Scoop.
5: It's yeah, <laughs> scheduled for April 30th. It, it, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be close. But, um, one of the things that's not official yet. And we're talking about and Amy's. is always like, Oh, we shouldn't say anything yet. But, um, in this day and age, you know, for Amy to do a book, it takes about two months, right. Mm-hmm. To, to get it all said and done. So, what some people have been doing which is more popular now is you do an arc, then you take some time off and then you do another arc, which was kind of how we approached it originally. So issue 5 which comes out, you know, in, in the end of April or early May, <laughs> 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 will be uh we'll finish the first arc, then have a bit of a break, and then we'll be back with number 6 to start the second arc. But with number 6 we might go bi-monthly mm-hmm. just to be a little more consistent with everybody so there's not kind of front loaded and then dribbles at the end.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're working
5: that out. But when I was a kid, there were so many books that came out every two months that uh, it doesn't seem to bother me, but there's some pushback from maybe people who know better. So we'll see. We're working, we're working that out.
2: Uh, A trade in between with some director's cut extras or something, maybe. (laughs) For sure. That's
6: exactly what we were thinking of, yeah. We want to we s- figure out some way to have something sort of eventful happening at least online um, every month in between.
5: Well, that would be even more stuff, yeah. But the first trade will be out in oh. Ju- July 7th, I think, or July 9th, something yeah. like that.
6: Awesome.
5: But yeah, if we go bimonthly, it would be like we'll do more kind of even behind the scenes stuff and showing stuff on the off month. You know, so you know, go online to, church to keep you mm-hmm. into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, everybody is listening. You guys should definitely be checking out Rocket Girl. Yeah. Um, look for the next issue, end of April, beginning of May, uh, around there. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will put uh, obviously uh, the Twitter handles for both of our uh, great guests um, in the sh- in the in sh- sh- the, the post. podcast
5: too. Oh, the po- that's right, absolutely. Oh, that's, that's right. The yeah, yeah, we have a podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, pimp yeah. your yeah, stuff. We we I'm can, do, sorry. Yeah. So,
6: yeah.
5: We started gearing up doing it it comes out pretty, you know, we've been consistent with it every Wednesday.
6: Yeah. Podcorn.
5: Called Podcorn. Yeah. <laughs> <creating> and it. <laughs> uh, it's sometimes talking about making Rocket Girl, sometimes it's talking about
6: The industry. The
5: industry. <laughs> sometimes talking about books we like. So we, yeah. mix, we mix it up. Awesome, awesome. Well you guys have been
1: you guys have been awesome on the show, so I'm sure that, that show is great. So guys check that out. Podcorn.
6: Thank right. you. And thank you so much for liking it and supporting it. And yeah, it's always great that you guys have
5: nice things to say about yeah. Amy and I and the book. Well
2: deserved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Make great stuff. And you, you're super nice people too. So it's it's very easy. It's,
2: it helps. To, yeah, to
1: say nice <laughs> things about you guys. Can
2: I throw one ridiculous <laughs> question in?
1: Absolutely. Close it out with one ridiculous question. Okay. Bob.
2: Is DeYoung's number 373 badge in homage to the film Eddie
5: of that That's name? Exactly Eddie Egan it.
2: and Robert Duvall. Yes. <laughs> Eddie
5: Egan. Yes. Yeah, see, look. Nice. See, some, what? see, even things Amy don't. <laughs> I know. Get. The first, the, it's 15 375. because she's 15 years old. So, right. Mm-hmm. 373 to, uh, you nice know. catch Bob. The, the, the character on which Popeye Doyle is based. Yep. Well,
2: look oh. at that. Yeah, there you go, Brandon.
5: Yeah, Bob is not a There this you go. See, so, there's, so, there's so many things in there that I figure nobody would ever get, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's one of the mo- more obscure ones. So congratulations. Awesome. <laughs>
4: thank you
1: very I, think, much. I think I can think of a better way to close out the interview. So Brandon, Amy, thank you so much for joining right, us on Talking Comics. Thank you guys. Good night. Good night. Good night. All right. Thank you again to Brandon, Amy. Awesome, awesome job. Um, and uh, guys pick up Rocket Girl cause it's, it's quite fantastic. Uh, I want to let people know that we got some great questions this week from listeners some really cool emails, some Facebook messages and stuff like that. Um we don't have any time to talk about them today because it <laughs> is very late and we need to get out of here, but I assure you in the next couple of weeks we'll definitely definitely talk about them and, and get to them because we we got some really I, good I ones. I can get to study then. You can get to study absolutely. Um so let's do what's on the shelves today. Um from Avatar Press, we have Cross Badlands number 50 uh We've got Uber number eight and Uber special number one from Boom Studios. We had Adventure Time number 12. Yes, I think number 12. There's like eight. No, these are all second printings. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that Times in like 20 something. There's now. literally one, two, three, four, five, six, six second printings of Adventure Time books coming Oops. out this week. Um, So, we've got Bravest Warriors, number 18, Hacktivist, number 3, Midas Flesh, number 4, and Regular Show, number 11. From Dark Horse Comics, we've got um, a $1 edition of BPRD Hell on Earth, Mm. number 1. Definitely check that out. Blackout, number 1. We've got... Bloodhound, Crowbar Medicine, number
2: five. <laughs> they just made that <laughs> up. It's is like a random word. Yeah.
1: We've got Captain Midnight number nine. Elf Quest, the final quest, number two. Um Empowered Special, number six. Mm-hmm. Nice. Internal medicine. Internal medicine. I was making sure that wasn't like a reprint or something. Mm-hmm. Furious, number three of five. Yes. We've got uh Halo Escalation number four. King Conan the Conqueror number two. We've got Mass Effect Foundation, number nine, Massive, number 21, Mind Management, number 20, Pariah, number two of eight, Serenity, Leaves on the Wind, number three, Star Wars Legacy, two, number 13. We've got Tomb Raider, number two, and Vandroid, number two of five. From DC Comics, we have Adventures of Superman, number 11, All-Star Western, number 29. Um, We've got Aquaman, number 29. We've got Batman the Dark Knight, number 29 uh We got Catwoman number twenty nine, Dead Boy Detectives number four, Fables number one thirty nine, Flash number twenty nine, Forever Evil Argus number six, Forever Eagle, Ro- Forever Eagle, Forever <laughs> Evil, Bear! Rogues Rebellion number six. We've got He Man the Masters of the Universe number eleven, Injustice Year Two number three, Justice League Dark number twenty nine, Lara Flea's number nine, Red Lanterns number twenty nine sandman overture yes. Get the number out of here. Really? two <laughs> <laughs> right right we'll right. see i right. believe it's right. in my hands yeah. exactly Um uh, we have a suicide squad amanda waller one shot we've got superman number 29 talon number 17 teen titans number 29 wake number seven of 10 and world's finest number 21
3: and the fables just like fyi there's a new cover artist who's mm. like one of my toronto friends and he's awesome <laughs> so like if you don't happen to read fables which is great by the way <laughs> you should check out the cover by nimit malivia he did like the cover for um the once upon a time graphic novel oh, okay. and like his art is absolutely amazing and he's going to be doing the art for uh fables from 139 to 150 so or the cover art mm. can i say that he but said, he's yeah. great go look
1: Put some money in Stephanie's pocket. Buy fables. I Um, don't (laughs) get money for that. Get out of here. Go look. He's
3: awesome. From Dynamite be Bobby. I know.
4: (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have um, Ash and the Army of Darkness Annual 2014. Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars, number 12. Doc Savage, number four. Uh, We've got Legends of Red Sonja, number 505. My Little Phony, A Brony Adventure, number one. (laughs) Vampirella not. Strikes. Yeah. Oh, sorry, no, that's not that's that. Warlord of Mars, Deja Thoris, number 37. Uh, from IDW. Uh, well, this is, I don't know what this is. Uh, I mean, I can tell. <laughs> Batman, the Silver Age Newspaper Comics, Volume 1. 1966, 1967. Reprints of old newspapers. Yeah. They've done
2: some Superman. Mm. They've got a Wonder Woman one, which th- that strip barely ever came out. That's on the horizon somewhere. Interesting. Didn't get to ask him last time around.
1: G.I. <laughs> Joe, A Real American Hero, number 200. Ghostbusters, number 14. Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, number 10. <laughs> Rocky and Bullwinkle, number one of four. Ooh. Um Star Slammers Remastered number one. sounds awesome. Simonson. Yep. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles New Animated Adventures number nine. Transformers Dark Cybertron finale number one. Ooh. Um <laughs> Wraith Welcome to Christmas Land, number five of seven, and X Files Conspiracy, number two of two. From Image Comics, we have Alex and Ada, number five. We've got Bounce, number 11. Dead Body Road, number four of six. Deadly Class, number three. Fatal, number 21. Krampus, number four. Manhattan Projects, number 19. One Hit Wonder, number two of five. We've got Protectors, Inc., number five. We've got Real Heroes number one, Revenge number two, Satellite Sam number seven, Sex number 12, Skull Kickers number 25, Umbral number five, Walking Dead number 124. From Marvel Comics, we've got A plus X number 18. We actually. Have all-new Ghost Rider, number one. Whoa. Whoa. Just supposed to come out last week. Did not. It
0: was supposed to come out. Yes. It was I saw the, I wasn't going crazy.
1: It was on the list last week, yeah. All right, good. All-new X-Factor, number five. Amazing X-Men, number five. Avengers, number 27. Avengers Assemble, number 25. Brilliant, number five. We've got Captain America Homecoming, number one. I don't know what that is. Uh, one-, one shot. It's a one shot, okay. Is the
3: brilliant that Brian Michael Bendis comic?
1: Oh, my God, it is. It is. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Again, I'll believe it when been, like, it's in out my out hands.
1: For,
3: like two years, and they're at issue five. It's been
1: almost three years. To be to be quite fair, yes. Um, yeah, it has not Sweet been coming baby out,
3: baby Jeebus. I
1: know, I know, and it was though, good. I'm really excited about it, though. If that's really <laughs> if it really comes out,
3: I'll be really excited when the like complete thing comes yeah. out. I've forgotten what happened in that.
1: Yeah, I have to go back and read my other issues. S- uh, Deadpool number twenty six. We've got, coming out, we've got uh, George Romero's Empire of the Dead Act 1, number 3, Guardians of the Galaxy, number 13, Hawkeye, number 18, we've got Indestructible Hulk, number 20, Iron Patriot, number 1, Marvel Knights X-Men, number 5, we've got Miracle Man, number 4, we've got, man, New Avengers, number 16 point now, that's two weeks in a row, right? Yeah. yeah, Origin Two Number Four. That's Wolverine Origin. Uh, Revolutionary War Omega Number One. Savage Wolverine Number Sixteen. Silver Surfer Number Ooh, One. Yes. Superior Spider-Man Number Twenty Seven Point Now. Woot! Oh, sorry, no. Superior Spider-Man Number Thirty. Number Twenty Seven Point Now. Boot. Already came out, but yeah. The, the, interesting
2: that some of the Marvel books, and that's one of them, mm-hmm. you get a bonus comic stapled into it. That comes oh, really? with Black Widow Number One for some reason, oh, really, as a backup story. That's so weird. And it's three ninety nine and a digital code, and you get a second comic. Wow, that's crazy! Superior, uh, that's
1: that's weird. I didn't, this I didn't know, is? Yeah, I didn't either. Superior Spider Man Team Up Number Eleven, Survive Number One, Uncanny Avengers Number Eighteen, Point Now, um, and that is it from Oni Press. The Bunker Number Two, which I'm excited about. Let's see what do we got from anything from Valiant this week. Eternal Warrior Number Seven, and from Zenoscope, Grim Fairy Tales presents Quest Number Five. Wonderland Clash of Queens number 2.
3: And from Abstract Studios we've got oh, Rachel Rising abstract. number 24.
1: I missed Abstract. You should Yes, there it is. Mm. Not verified by Diamond it says Stephanie.
3: <laughs> I don't know.
1: Yeah. But uh yes, Rachel Rising is out as well. Um <sighs> I also need to say you're hearing this on Wednesday, but we're recording this on Tuesday, and it is Bob Ryder's birthday. Aww, so a very big so happy, birthday, Bob. happy birthday, happy birthday to thank Bob. You. I I on Twitter and Facebook I said it was Bob's birthday. We got some we got some listener response. What? So from Gregory Litchfield on Facebook, he says, "Happy birthday, Bob!" From one old tie and comic book fan reader collector to another. With great podcasting power comes great podcasting responsibility. <laughs> Keep educating those youngsters. Um, <laughs> Christian Stoa says happy birthday. Kenneth Zane says a very happy birthday to Bob. Um, Robert P. Van Allen Jr., which is a your supervillain, says uh, <laughs> just says the legend. That's all he says. <laughs> um, Damian Patrick Wim says twenty five again. <clears throat> um, two
2: and a half times. <laughs>
1: Leonardo Neves says, happy birthday, Bob. Now go go to a strip club and enjoy your night. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, that's
0: where you are find Bob. Yeah, yeah.
1: Scott Brady says, happy birthday, Bob. The comics community could use more guys who think like you. Ooh, um, wow. Joshua Callahan says, happy birthday, Bob. Here's to many more years of hearing your knowledge. Andrew Rue says, happy B-Day, Bob. Keep up the great work. And Christopher Schrader says, happy birthday, Bob. Um, a lot of new names. Yeah, I know. Wow, I like so it. Thank you. everyone. Very, very nice. We got a couple... On, on Twitter as well, uh, Mr. Jeff Schaefer says, <laughs> tell him happy birthday from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have uh, from Frankie Rivera. He says, happy birthday, Bob. I'm a huge fan and hope to meet you again soon. Always uh, a pleasure to get weekly comic nuggets from you.
2: So, came to our 100th, as I recall, he right? Did. Yes, he, he did. He absolutely
1: did. He's an awesome, awesome guy. Um, El Stoney on Twitter says, give Bob a happy birthday from me too. And Scott Wickenheiser says, happy birthday, Bob. Live long and prosper. So there we go. Bob, gave <laughs> you, Bob put up his hand, gave you the symbol. Um, Stephanie, you, you are... are oh, Bob, sorry. I
2: didn't, I no, no, you I'm just thanking everyone yeah. again.
1: That's all. That <laughs> Stephanie, well. uh, you're pimping some uh, some panels you're going to be on.
3: Yeah, so anyone who's going to be in Seattle this weekend for Emerald City Comic Con, I will also be there. I will be tabled with uh, Bill Willingham and uh, Mark Buckingham Steve Steve Lealoha at D15, if you want to come by and say hi, and artist Sally, um, and also I'm going to be on two panels. And unfortunately, I am not actually like in the descriptions. Like everyone else is on listed except for me. So I will be on two panels, and I'm not listed. But those panels are both on Saturday. So the first one is um, from five twenty to six ten uh, in Hall C, room six ten, and that is I'll be moderating this panel. Uh, it's is a literary, the new superhero. And um, let me see who's on that panel with me. Um, I will be moderating it with David Peterson, who does Mouse Guard, Brian J.L. Glass, who does Mice Templar, and Anthony Dell Cole from Kill Shakespeare. Wow. Um, and then the second panel that I will be on is immediately after that in the exact same room. So again, Halsey, room 610, from 620 till 710 p.m., and that one is called "Building Events the Geeky Way," and uh, that's pretty much what it says. It's a panel all about, um, you know, building geek communities and helping, you know, make safe environments and events for us to thrive in. And um, I'll be on that panel with um, Tara Thea Harris, Liz Smith, Nathan Martin, Kinsey Burke. Um, so if you're in town and you're at the show and you, you know, want to see me ramble on panels, that's where I'll be. Um, yeah, there are things that are happening.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Um,
3: and also can I give a quick shout out to, I I, I'm going to, if I mess up your name, I apologize, but I was in the silver snail the other day, yesterday, Monday, time travel. (laughs) And I was informed that the new uh, diamond rep is one of our listeners. Right. Silver snail. And uh, you know, I got there and George, the owner of the Silver Snail, was like, So I was talking to my new Diamond rep and I uh, I believe again, this is all second hand, so if I'm getting anything wrong, please I apologize. But Kathy King, um, she's apparently a big fan and she's now the Silver Snail rep. So I have like a little connection there and thanks for talking to George and, you know, letting him know that I'm cool. <laughs> more cooler than he thinks i am i have to talk to him
1: yeah well she obviously has good taste if she listens to the show so <laughs> yeah, it's, true. it's true but
3: thanks for listening to the show and
1: yeah of course of course awesome awesome and if you want to hear more of stephanie um listen to the misfits podcast um mm-hmm. w- when when is the next one stephanie
3: um because of, like, Emerald City and stuff, and Melissa's moving, so uh, we, we're we skipping a week. Like, it's still going to be two podcasts a month, but the next one is going to come out on April 14th.
1: Cool. Awesome. So, April 14th. Uh, do you guys know what you're doing yet?
3: Um, we're still debating. Like, we're, we, I think the next show is going to be about Joe Hill. Oh, nice.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. Awesome. So,
3: we'll be discussing his comics, uh, the novels. And anything else, Joe Hill, that you, we can? You're not stalking up.
0: him. You can Pardon? talk. You're not stalking him. You can
1: talk about that.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> this podcast will definitely prove she's not stalking him. The fact that she's dedicating a whole podcast. I know to and it's I'm... totally
3: like my choice too, because like <laughs> Mara and Melissa picked the last couple. Um, so you know, of course, it makes sense that Joe's biggest creepiest fan. This one.
1: <laughs> awesome. Uh... <laughs> yeah so make sure you guys look out for that well, obviously you'll see it on on the various social networks and uh, on the site um thank you guys so much uh we launched talking games this past week yeah uh, amazing amazing response from uh from you guys yeah seriously yeah it's it's been really great um follow that on twitter it's at, at talking underscore games and stephanie is at the misfits right
3: yep okay. with
1: two s's two s's in the in misfits the
3: underscore misfits
1: all right Um uh, And so check those out. We're doing a, uh, obviously, the second episode of uh, Talking Games will be up uh, this week on Thursday. Indeed. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Lots of infamous and uh, uh, Facebook buying Oculus. Rift. Yeah, we'll
0: be talking about Facebook buying yeah. Oculus Rift. That's a little bit an interesting conversation. Uh, we'll also be introducing Rob Newmeyer, oh, yes. uh, who is, you know, as you know, we mentioned him many times here. He is our comic book dealer. Yes. Uh, he will be joining our panel. We're going to be switching on and off between uh, Rob and Jackie, kind of mm-hmm. a rotating fourth chair, if you will. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I seriously, guys, huge, huge response to the show. Can't thank you enough. Um, really looking forward to hosting it and being with everybody and just talking about more things that we love. It's been great.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's awesome. Um, also, guys, make sure you check out Talking Movies, uh, Brian Verderosa's podcast with Chris Oliphant. Um They talked about Pi this past week in their lead up love that to uh, doing Noah, the latest Darren Arvdowski movie. And the last two conversations <laughs> they've had about um, Requiem for a Dream and Pi have been really, really fantastic. And I look forward to seeing what they say about about the new movie. So definitely, definitely check that out. And he—he uh, he, actually, I want to plug this really quick for him. But he wish happy birthday to Bob. But Jeff Schaefer, who we used to do the Man Cave podcast together, he's, he's relaunching and kind of rebranding that show. It's going to be called Late Night Tonight with Jeff Schaefer, mm. and it's going to be kind of the Tonight Show, but in podcast form. Ooh. So he's going to do a monologue. We're going to do some skits and, and stuff like that. We're going to we're going to have guests and. And, uh, his idea too is, and guys, if you're, if you're in a band or anything and, and you're interested in this, he wants to have a musical guest, but what he wants to do is he wants to get them on Skype and talk to them for a couple minutes and then have them play live acoustically on Skype some of their mm, music. That's really cool. So that way, you know, it's a one of a kind thing. It's not just playing an a MP3 or anything like that. So if you guys are interested in that, um, you know, shoot me an email or shoot us a, uh, or, or, uh, tweet at us and I'll, I'll make sure he hears about it and, Um, we'll definitely set that up. But yeah, definitely. He's been working really hard trying to set that back up. So you should hear that in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Um, Late night Congratulations, yeah. Yeah, should be pretty cool. Um, Anything else they wanted to talk about before we left? I I always forget.
2: (laughs) Um, Bob usually has
1: a one more thing.
2: Well, I guess the one more thing is thanks to the Last Misfits podcast, I've been watching Studio Ghibli. Nice, Ghibli. yes, Ghibli, Ghibli. Either
3: I call it Ghibli because it sounds better. Ghibli.
2: <laughs> and uh, so far, Kiki's Delivery Service is my favorite. Spirited Away a reasonably close second. My favorite.
3: Mm, nice. I'm so. so glad that you love
1: them. Awesome. Uh, if, so you wanna, you if you guys want to, if you yeah. guys want to talk to Bob about that and all the other things that Bob likes to talk about. Bob Reier at com, correct? Yes. Email address. <laughs> Steve, what's your Twitter handle?
0: My Twitter is at dead underscore anchorus.
1: Stephanie?
3: I'm at hello cookie,
1: And I'm at Bobby Shortle. And that is going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. Uh, thank you to Brendan and Amy for stopping by and, and talking with us. Thank you to my co hosts here. And guys, seriously, next week, look out for our Captain America stuff. Our interview with Steve Englehart, you know, a really veteran creator talking about some really awesome stuff so get ready for that plus some other cool stuff we have um mm-hmm. in the cards for you guys so for steve Tallyho bob aloha and stephanie bye i have been bobby until next time on talking comics to be continued